Hello, everybody is very welcome to the Calm Projects, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature and wellness. Happy Friday to everybody. We got a very, very special blockbuster tree show Friday night talk show special for you lined up tonight with expert guest Ed Opperman from the Opperman Report. And we are absolutely thrilled and very lucky to have heavyweight guest Ed Opperman, who is an expert in true crime and digital forensics, and the host of the Opperman Report, the award-winning talk show, which has been running internationally for 10 years and reaches 150 cities across the USA alone. From Opperman's career and life as an advocate for social justice to the efforts of CAM projects, we have three deeply insightful shows for you to enjoy tonight. Show one is going to be a show that we taped with Ed on CAM Projects called The Impact of Internet and Tech on Society. Ed Opperman, digital forensics expert, PI, talk radio host. And in this show, Ed Opperman and Shane McKay discuss how technology has advanced in recent years and how it affects our daily lives, including social media, privacy online, the Internet of Things and government oversight. And a quote from Ed Opperman from that show is, Our kids are more familiar with these things than adults, and their minds are being shaped. Then show two, Can Projects interviewed at The Opperman Report. Ed Opperman interviews Shane McKay and Chris Snead about their work at Can Projects. They discuss equality, missing and murdered Indigenous women and relatives, Hardships facing the Irish traveller community, ecology, Shane's time helping on the Opperman Report, and the Derelict Ireland movement. And then the, that's Cam Projects being interviewed by Ed Opperman at the Opperman Report. And for show three, we had the first show we taped with Ed over on Cam Projects, titled Talk House PI. True crime and digital forensics expert, the life and career of Ed Opperman. And that show does come with a content warning as it covers traumatic subjects related to suicide and true crime. In this show, Shane and Chris interview Ed Opperman about his colourful life and his outstanding career as a PI and as a radio host. Ed has also written the book, book how to become a successful private investigator a step-by-step guide we highly recommend you go and check that out you'll find it on amazon and you'll also find it uh, in the link the description of this show or this stream wherever you're, you're finding us and the link will be to the can blog and you'll get show links and links to to ed's content and his website and to the three shows with audio download links and Ed's book as we mentioned and that's over there on the Can blog where you'll find lots of stuff 
with links and info on talk shows and guests, articles, camp projects, news, events, and projects. The zero waste thing. I've picked up some habits. I don't use those plastic bags when I'm buying fruit and vegetables. You're going to wash them anyway when you get them home. And, and don't think yeah. they're clean out there when they're in, in the field. <laughs> you know, like just because yeah. you wrap this thing in plastic doesn't mean it suddenly got clean somehow. <laughs> yeah. The biggest thing I did was, in the old days, before I got a coffee pot, a grinder, and I grind my own beans now, I would go to the coffee shop every morning and I'd buy a cup of coffee. And I'd say, oh boy, I'm so proud of myself. I drink one cup of coffee a day. But then I realized this is 365 cups and 365 plastic lids. So I stopped putting the plastic lid on it. I would just get the coffee. But then I says, you know what, man? I'm going to talk to this guy about selling some coffee mugs. And I found some bamboo coffee cups for them that are reusable. And I says, hey, dude, man, look, his website. You can order these bamboo reusable cups and give your people a discount. And so not just reducing my own coffee cup consumption, 300, which is a lot of freaking cups in a year. Just imagine. Yeah. Be, it's a huge, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and here I was able to do maybe 25, 35 times that uh, just by one little effort. One day's conversation. very welcome to the Can Projects podcast where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature and wellness and I'm your host today Shane McKay. We're missing Chris today who's on seasonal duties um, uh, as an elf, some kind of elf or something like that. Um, so Chris isn't with us today but we've got, uh, which he was really disappointed actually we've got because we've got a really wonderful guest, a returning guest back with us. Um, an expert in his field, an absolute legend, really. Um, Ed Opperman, who is a digital forensics expert. He's a private investigator and he's also a true crime talk radio show host um, over there on uh, the OppermanReport.com. And he's got a great show, guys. He's gone a long time and he's, he's had some really fascinating guests on and covered a lot of really interesting stuff, a lot of stuff, um, a, lot, a lot of pioneering stuff, I'll just say. And uh, as far as news and important things that 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 that, that to be informed about, and um, I gotta say, it's got a, he's got a great sense of uh, justice and fairness. So he's a person I love to listen to and love to speak with as well. And you can find his archives for free over there on Spreaker.com. Or if you'd like to support him and get some of the, 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 the hottest, juiciest stories before anybody else, find him on Patreon. That's the Opperman Report over there on Patreon. And he's on Twitter. You'll find him on Twitter if you, if you venture over there. But today I thought it would be great to have Ed in to talk a bit about the impact that uh, technology and the internet has had and is having on culture and society. And we touched on this a little bit with uh, Ed um, on the first show he was in with us with. And I really highly encourage uh, our audience, if you haven't heard that yet, to go and check that out. It was a very fascinating topic. But Ed, being a digital forensic expert, knows a thing or two about the internet. 
and being a PI as well, he knows that he's picked up one or two things. He's actually written a book as well. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll fire up the, the link later. It's called uh, A Step-by-Step Guide to uh, Becoming a a successful private investigator. I'll have to get the full, the full title off Ed right now. Ed, how are you doing, buddy? Are you there? Shane, thank you so much for inviting me back. And by the way, thank you for all your compliments about the show and stuff like that. But the audience needs to know that Shane's been a huge backbone of the Opera Report for years and years and years. Helping with all kinds of technical stuff and uploading shows and all, all kinds of stuff. So thank you again. Uh, my brother Shane McKay. Oh, you're more than welcome, Ed. I was always happy to help you. You know, it's great, it's great work. I'm, I'm I'm always interested in in good works. Mm. So, what w- w- what's new since we were talking last? We kind of first day we were on, we really got into kind of a bit of your background and some current stuff. And w- what's the latest in Florida now? The, the I know the Jeepers actually. We just had that really bad storm in Kentucky and stuff. Um, yeah, thank God we weren't affected by that. But we do get tornadoes down here in Florida. As a matter of fact, the first night I moved down here, we had a tornado. And I didn't even know what county I lived in. <laughs> so I'm watching on the news and they're saying, okay, don't worry. It's moved out of this county and it's heading toward this other county. I didn't know if it was heading toward me or away from me. So was, and it says, take the usual precautions. I said, what are the usual precautions? How the hell do I know? <laughs> so... Uh, you know, I think the most exciting thing that's happening since I've been down here is finding those otters in my backyard the other day. <laughs> that's been the happiest thing. Um, otherwise, uh, uh, I am working on a, a big thing behind the scenes, a big news story that's going to be coming out uh, about a, a local congressman. I shouldn't say local, but about a sitting congressman uh, who is a sex tape and there's also uh, all kind of stuff coming out. This got big, big scandal coming up. It's going to be all over the news. Okay. Okay. More, more, more the same than people can kind of explain. Hope to yeah. expect, yeah, yeah, good. So, and you've been you've been busy, I think. Have you? you've been really busy? You're you're up to your eyes, really. Um, how how is the eye actually? Oh yeah, yeah. I hurt my eye. Uh, like Shane knows, Friday night I couldn't do my live show because I had scratched my cornea, and on my uh, left eye, so I was up all night. And uh, one of my contact lenses actually got stuck in there, so I had to spend the whole day yesterday at the ER. Uh, so if anybody out there, you know, I got a lot of emails. One guy told me that I should put some urine. I said, I should take some of my own urine and put it in my eye. I tell you, one thing, of the what's most wonderful thing about being on the radio is all the medical advice you get from all the experts out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, free, the free advice. Yeah, yeah. But, but my eye is really feeling, I put the contact lenses back in just a little while ago and there's no pain or anything, so I'm doing good. I got a road trip tomorrow, so I got to be in shape for that, so. Right. Right. And, 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 and how's the new year looking? Are you kind of, you, you get a little, little bit of respite in before a new year kicks in then? Well, not really, no. Because like we were saying off the air, December's the biggest month for ad, radio ad advertising revenue. So you got to really pump up the content and promote your content. So I expect to be working, for, except for this four days I'm taking this trip, which I'm really regretting that. And it cost me a lot of money. Yeah. You know, but yeah, but uh, so I'm taking this trip. I pick up my daughter from D.C., bring her back. And uh, then she can help me get some stuff done. Uh, but really, no, I'm not expecting any rest <laughs> until okay. after January. You know? oh, I mean, we'll, but in, in, the, in the summer, we're going to spend a, a month in New York City. We're going to go to New York City oh, for a month. And, yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, lovely. And um, I was going to ask you, oh, it escapes me. Oh, it's gone. Um, Sorry, I'm um, I'm a wee bit scared here. Do you know we just had a st- really big storm here as well. There were like it was like a like red warning in like whatever mm. a load of different counties, and it was like don't nobody leave their house. But it's not it's not. I mean, it is. You can see it kind of incrementally. The weather just is so 
like uh, wild now everywhere it's happening everywhere i mean it's something we do we do talk about a lot on here is the environment you know and 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 you know we're going to get into this a bit it's kind of relevant to what we're going to be talking about how about you know as far as wellness and our health and our mental health and things like that our environment is such a, a, a huge part of that and that doesn't just mean you know like the pollution and things like that that means how we actually treat each other and deal with each mm. other and um i definitely think that mobile and mobile phones and and the way they've they're not really wouldn't even call them a phone anymore it's like a mobile device now is kind of what they call it like um it's a bit of a double-edged sword i think you know where especially now when people are feeling have been and are feeling very isolated that it's been there's been good 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 pros and cons of being able to 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 to, to reach out i suppose i suppose it's, it's a great thing being able to reach out but there's this other kind of kind of toxic element that's that that's really picked up with, with social media um even you see now with with, with school children and stuff now they've, they've started to say how you know bullying now as a problem has be, has turned into this other thing now because it, 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 you know kids they have a phone or young 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 adults with phones and stuff and 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 they get bullied and stuff and then they go home and then but they're bringing the bully with them into their home now you know um, so, what do you what do you reckon, Ed? You, you, I know you. I've heard you say how um, you only just got your mobile phone kind of in the last. Was it kind of just around the pandemic started? Was it or? Well, yeah. When I took my trip out to to Florida, that's when I I, I needed to. Yeah, I, I had to get a cell phone for the GPS and stuff like that. The you know the directions. Um, I actually uh, wrote a whole bunch of notes about this very topic. You know. How much? Uh, okay, I got into mobile phones really before anybody because I was the first guy in the whole country to go into a mall and sell cellular phones from a kiosk in a mall. Okay, so when you see all those kiosks selling phones and the devices and stuff like that, I invented that. <laughs> You'd think I'd be a billionaire and I'd be the next uh, uh, Gates or something, but just uh, always uh, my own worst enemy. But uh, so I was into cell phones way back in the early two thousand, even the, the late nineties. And uh, I got burnt out from them back then, you know, mm. and stopped uh, answering my phone altogether. I, I set up an answering service to answer my phone because uh, just overwhelming phone calls and stuff. It's always been a problem my whole life. Um, I was t- making some notes about this because I was thinking about this whole very topic. And uh, one of the things when you're angry at somebody, a spouse or a loved one, that uh, you'll do to punish them is you'll stop speaking to them. You stop speaking to this other person. That's a form of punishment. That's yeah. one of the worst things you could do. We don't. We no longer yeah. speak. You know, there's such power in the spoken word. And this is no. Uh, and you, the first chapter of the Bible, Bob, the, the God spoke. You know, God, the word was God. God was the word, and He spoke these things into existence. The spoken word has such power to it. And even when you're speaking to somebody in person, you know that this passion, there's saliva and and you know there's blood and there's warmth coming from you know the contact mm. that we've now in such a short time the past 10 years we've totally gotten rid of it yeah and even ver- yeah even verbal communication over the phone we've gotten rid of and we've taken another extent to written now everyone just wants to text back and forth people are afraid to talk on the phone uh, so it, this cannot be good for us no um, the speed is i think this, the, how fast it's happened is is the probably right. That like that's quite worrying because now like the kids today there's no real roadmap on how to even deal with it because it's so new, and um, it it kind of reminds me a little bit of cigarettes almost the way like you know it was known way back is like that, that these things are bad for us but there was no precedent set. 
I, I can remember when I was a kid and uh, they changed. I was about nine, ten years old and my, and my brother had a, a baby and they were living with us, you know, and uh, they, they had strollers came out. It used to be baby carriages. You'd have a carriage. Your baby would be lying down. Your baby staring at you as you pushed the carriage. Strollers came out and it was this big controversy. Well, now you're not, you don't have eye contact with your own baby. The baby's looking wow. ahead. You don't have eye contact with your child like you used to have. Mm. Now we have, I can remember picking up my daughter at school and she was in the third grade and every parent there is staring at their phone instead of making any kind of contact with their kids. Sometimes the kid's five, 10 feet behind them, following them. Yeah. You know, and now 10 years later, the kid has a phone too, yeah. you know, staring at their own phone. Yeah. So that cannot be good for us. Um, I regret now I, I, you know, I'm sucked into it and you know, I'm on Instagram and all that nonsense, but I totally regret it. Yeah. I'm kind of like that as well, but I did, I did get to the point myself where I kind of, I was avoiding, I had the same smartphone for like seven years and you know, the way that like every after you buy a new phone and then after a period you have to upgrade it. And if you don't keep yeah. upgrading it, eventually your apps won't work anymore. So I was kind of, I'm not buying into this, you know, I just want a phone and I stuck with that phone, uh, for a long time and it was it, it served me well um and then i did kind of get to a point where though i was like do you know well do you know i think doing the show now i kind of like i did want to kind of cover these topics a bit like to do with with, with, with technology and social media and stuff like that and i suppose it, it, it's only really fair that i do kind of take a proper look at it personally and i totally agree with you it, it does have a way of kind of and chris has said the same thing it's like it kind of sucks you in you know what i mean and i mean we're we're we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're adults you know we, we can be responsible for ourselves but these things it's like a slot machine you know what i mean they're designed to keep you kind of engaged you know and like i i've said it on here before you know that you know the people who who, who make these apps or or, or or these phones and things you know they, they'll They'll kind of say, well, I mean, now it's changing. They kind of, they've kind of had to kind of have to make it healthier and to, to, to seem more healthier. And we'll, we'll see how, how it plays out. But um, did, I mean, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard of different, different uh, tech companies saying how, you know, they, they, they don't make it addictive. They just want to keep the user in, as engaged as possible and coming back as often as possible. Now, they might not call that addiction, but to me, that's what exactly what it sounds like. Oh, oh yeah, there's all kinds of positive and negative reinforcement, the little likes and the clicks and the numbers. And I was just thinking the other day, this is fast. You know, it's amazing. Everything all falls together. And I was just thinking the other day, I was going to do this on Friday and I was going to talk about it. It's one, I think one of the luckiest things that happened to me when I got into this radio business is that uh, YouTube shut down my first YouTube account. I had gotten to 3000 followers. I was making 300 a month. And, and then when I got to the, 20,000 followers. I was still making 300 a month. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my second account when I set up the second one. But that first account, because I was so excited. I remember I was on, on that crazy radio station, Freedom Slips, you know, yeah. uh, and uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, my first week there is the highest YouTube count for, for the station. And so I was so excited by that, you know, and I see now if I had stayed sucked into that YouTube world, Focusing on likes and views and comments and all that nonsense and trying to increase the, your subscribers. And, and I see these guys talking to their YouTube followers when they're doing their radio show. What the hell? You got a whole audience out there. Not yeah, these little exactly. YouTubers. Yeah. And because it's addictive and it's, it's positive. And plus, I've, I did a whole show about YouTube makes you crazy. They have that whole what they're recommending to you, you know, mm. uh, those, that stuff. It's all just bizarre stuff, yeah. you know. 
taking you further and further down a rabbit hole and, and with the data mining abilities that they have now, well, and it's all, it's not the government, it's capitalists doing this. It's yeah. data mining to sell your information and, and manipulate your thinking. And just think, Sean, uh, Google and YouTube and all these services and Instagram have a total different um, imprint of me and an imprint of you. So they could be directing me to totally different stuff. You and me do searches. They're mm. sending me information. So I think I'm right. You think you're right. You know, and uh, it's just. Yeah, it just leads to conflict, really. Like, I, I, oh. I think it's like it's an exploitative, in my eyes, an exploitative platform. You know, like we, 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 we like we've we're, we're on YouTube, but like we're, we're we put stuff out there when we when we want to get it out there. You know, but I'm not I'm not like I'm not chasing the the, the yeah. subscribers and and the likes and the thousand watch hours or whatever it is. Like it's it's like they they are asking for like a ton of free content from their creators before you get anywhere near monetization. And uh, I mean that's one thing, but like. The, 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 I mean, YouTube has had like a pretty interesting like um, history, you know, and uh, I kind of I'm very dubious of them. Like, I don't know if you remember, Ed, um, th th there was um, a story a good a good few years back up. There was an invest. I think it was invested. Some kind of investigative journalist was undercover in YouTube. And they basically brought it to the it, their boss's attention within there that like, hey, like, what's all this kind of dodgy content we've got on here that's yeah. not really being um, handled properly? And they they were told like, well, look, look, we've got bigger things to worry about. And the whole thing, the whole story blew up. But it was still years until actually anything every, anything really happened. And then there was a there was a case there in Germany where a, 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 a parents advocacy group settled with YouTube um, outside a court for like a quarter of a billion or something. Um, because basically the what they were what they were what they were kind of like it was right before that YouTube kids thing came out, and I was like quite I was kind of following that the whole thing myself because I'd be I'd be at home I've told the story before on air but I, already but I, I'd be at home watching some kids thing with my daughter you know and then the next thing this really violent ad for a game or something would come on I'd be like but if you're target if you're mining my data and you're targeting ads towards me can you not tell I'm watching a kids program like why are you so I was already kind of tuned into that and then to see how it kind of played out and then it was an out of court settlement and then 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 they brought in this YouTube kids thing. But like to me it's kind of like why did they have to wait? Like this idea of like retroactively fixing the stuff when I really think in the beginning early on they they, they could have been like a lot more responsible. And I think just probably the fact to go back to the capitalist thing, you know, they're they're it's an exploitative platform. So you know, to me it's like it it's gonna lead to, you know, bad news basically, I think. Okay, clearly they have the ability. Okay, because now, now we see what all this COVID censoring, right? That they can, you know, judge, you know, right away they pick up, you know, even memes and stuff, they pick up right away. So they could do it. Um, I had stumbled, a listener contacted me once who was looking into all these kind of things. And they, they sent me some certain keywords you could type into Google that would bring up, it wasn't child pornography, but it was images of little girls and little boys, half naked bathing suits, dancing around, all kind of stuff like that. And you had to be over, you had to prove your, you had to be logged in. You had to be over 21 to view these videos of an eight-year-old girl, okay, and her friends jumping around a pool, okay, and all the comments, and there would be millions of hits, nine million hits, man, on this video, and all the comments were men talking about masturbating and all kinds of, you know, 
there's no way they can't spot that and track that down and censor that. There's just no way. Yeah. No, because you know even, it's over twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, even like even now, like you like if you mentioned the word suicide straight away, your thing gets flagged. Like the, like the stuff oh, really? gets processed on the way in. There's no way, and they had that. You're I I think you're right. Like they had that ability way early on. There's no way. So yeah, it's it's um pretty crazy. But, but they stuff. had monetized like those Seven Sisters. Like, I don't remember the exact name, but it was a big channel, Seven Sisters, and it was all little girls. And it turns out later on, these guys were molesting these little girls in real life. It wasn't just the, the video content. And that was a monetized account, you know, with, with tens of millions of uh, subscribers, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, and, I mean, it it's constantly kind of changing. I mean, I mean Google, Google own YouTube now um, for a long yeah. time. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how, I'm not sure if, if there's, Possibly similar stuff happening where you are, but you know that they've really made a big push to the two-step verification now in Google, and it's like the 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 the, the um, cashless thing has really, really since the pandemic. Now you can see it everywhere; like it's just really, really taken off. Um, and I'm kind of curious now. Like I know now, if I want to log into Google, um, if I log out and I want to log into my machine again, I have to have my mobile phone with me now. Right, right, yeah, right. I've noticed that too recently too. The cashless thing is way bigger over there in Ireland than it is over here. Oh really? Because yeah. you know, oh yeah, we still have plenty of cash here. Because Americans, you know, we got our guns. We'll shoot. <laughs> <laughs> You know, certain things here, man, they're just grained into these people, you know, oh, that's, uh, and, and one taking cash is something that would freak out people if it was old, yeah. you know, it's it not so in your face. I'm not. It's not something I'm really that comfortable with either. But I have my. I have found myself like I use. I rarely use. I rarely, rarely use cash now. And it is a mm. the kind of the pandemic thing. But um, I mean, I remember Ed, you telling the story about how, you know, back in the seventies or the eighties, maybe where back then it was like you had your file of fax and you had all your contact details in there. And but right. if you were to lose that thing and somebody was to find it, like the the damage. I, I, that can be that could be done with that was unbelievable but now with a phone it's like that's like you know a hundred times more um potentially damaging now like um and it's like we're we're like attached to the things now we're 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 totally attached to them if you if you want to have a good laugh go back and listen to the old may brussels show where she starts talking about there's a thing called electronic mail, and they're going to be able to see your mail. <laughs> and they're going to control it. And this, and she was terrified, but she's calling it electronic mail, not email, you know. Uh, so, yeah, she was onto this kind of stuff. And, you know, if you go back and look into those guys, they, they were all worried about this stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like it is kind of, we, you know, 10, 20 years ago, we could kind of, a lot of people were looking at the way things were going and, and has kind of gone that way. And um, like the crypto thing is something I'm very wary of. I find it, I find it seems like, a, I don't know, I just don't trust it. Again, it's an ex, it's, a, it's a, like, just like an update, re- rehash of, 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 of money, you know, where, I don't know, it just, it just kind of, it's just kind of like, it's another one of these things that creeps me out and people are so excited about it. Um, yeah, 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 I don't wonder why. And then you got characters like Elon Musk pushing it. You know, you can't trust a guy like that. Yeah, exactly. No, it's funny. We're talking about though back in the seventies. I remember one time uh, we were walking through Manhattan. It was nineteen seventy-six, and I was with my friend Fred Gottbetter, who was a Yippie spokesperson. You know, uh, he's, he's since passed away from AIDS and heroin addiction and stuff. But uh, we were walking through Manhattan, and he says, "You see that building?" And he, there's a windowless building. 
He goes, you see that building? That's the NSA, the National Security Agency. And they can listen to every single phone call on the planet of the earth. And, you know, I, I, no one was talking about the NSA back in the 70s, but here was just such common knowledge by these street folks back then. Mm. And at that point, I just said, well, you know what, man, anything. Even if you can run around on pay phones all day long, you know, they, they got everything. It's, it's all being stockpiled someplace. Yeah. Uh, so there's really no privacy whatsoever. Yeah. And we'd be kind of foolish not to kind of like just like face up to that fact because uh, yeah. it does. It just all gets dumped, you know, and there's it's, it's, it's interesting now how I'm not sure the rest of the parts of the world, but here the, 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 the conversation started to pick up about how much like how bad the, for the environment actually these massive uh, server kind of farms are like the amount of juice that it takes to keep these things running and, and cooled and everything they're actually talking about um like <laughs> like they're, i don't know it sounds kind of bizarre but i did hear somebody talking about how they're gonna like run they could potentially like harvest the heat generated by yeah. these servers to heat homes so, like, they're, 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 they've no intention in stepping it down, really, you know. Um, well, well, you know, sure, they, potentially they could, but they won't because they want to yeah. sell us oil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 they'll never harm. There's so many sources of energy. The ocean has such energy coming off it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, we did an experiment when Victoria was a kid um, for, for a school science project. We, we took a Hot Wheels track and we put a little magnet on top of the car and we ran it around the track and then we made a wheel with magnets. And the, when the cars went underneath the wheel, it turned the wheel. And we had a little tiny generator that we got from the, uh, the, the science uh, shop, you know. And we generated electricity by cars driving under this magnet. And we got highways all over the world. We could be doing that all over the place. Trains, all, all yeah, kinds yeah. of stuff. You're right. Chris, so, Chris talks about the exact same thing. And like he's brought it up. I'm like, oh, man, they're never going to they're not going to buy that. It's just not going to happen. But like there is a there is a push now to this to the to, to the to the um these electric cars and stuff. But again, I don't know. It's just very slowly, slowly. This this the, the way the, the things are kind of moving. It kind of it's kind of you know the fact that a lot of the solutions are already there and they're not being implemented. I think is yeah. like it. Well, the the oil industry. By the way, eighty five percent of the world has a nationalized oil industry, and it's only the most corrupt gangster countries like Russia, and the United States, and countries that are run by kings, <laughs> like the king of Saudi Arabia. Now, these are the only countries with privatized uh, oil industry where people are allowed to, to pump oil out from under my feet and sell it back to me, like, and it's like it's a joke. Yeah. And when they talk about, oh, Nestle wants to start selling us water back to us, and people say, oh, my God, that's outrageous. We, we, the, the oil industry has been doing that for the past uh, 100, 200 years, and no one's blinked an eye over it. Mm. And, uh, and it seems that serious connections with CIA is controlling oil and the drug trade and stuff like that. And uh, it's be, so, it's, it's be, It became normalized, isn't it? It's just like we're just yes. like used to this idea that, like, oh, we need oil, we need this, and like it's, you know, and then, you know, just... They, these oil magnates, they, they direct foreign policy, you know, who we invade, who we bomb. And anytime a terror, by the way, I always thought about this too. Anytime a terrorist bomb goes off in the Middle East, that increases the value of oil pumped in Oklahoma and Texas. So if I owned an oil well in Texas or Oklahoma, of course I would want terrorism over in the Middle East. They have bombs going off because the cost of pumping, it doesn't change, but the value goes up because of the uh, instability in the markets, you know? Yeah. That's and all manipulated. Yeah, and I mean, like when somebody's in a business just purely to make money, surely they're going to try and make more money. Yeah. You know, if that's kind of their model, is it's not. You know, but um, listen, I'll tell you what, Ed, we'll we'll we'll, we'll take a quick uh, two three minute break, and we'll we'll be back with more from Ed Opperman, digital forensics expert and private investigator, and 
super fabulous talk radio show host, guys. You got to check out Ed's show, OppermanReport.com. Or Ed, where's the, where's the best place these days right now to ch- check out the show? Definitely Spreaker, Spreaker.com. That's where I send everybody to. We're going to be doing something in the future, too, with Spreaker, too, where those ads that you hear for the AMFM radio stations, we're going to take those off of the Spreaker so you'll just be hearing the Spreaker ads and people complain about the ads. But again, too, you can get everything 100% ad-free at Patreon. And there's plenty of free content up on Patreon, too, as well, as well as exclusive content that we have on Patreon just for Patreons. Great. Okay, guys, and I really encourage you to go and check that out. And we will be back with more of the CAM projects after these short messages. And you're all very welcome to the CAM Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature and wellness and you can find our podcast on spreaker.com or you can find us in a lot of the usual podcast hangouts like spotify apple Podcasts, audible but as ed said there spreaker is really the place to go and check us out and you know it'd really help us out a lot if you uh if you signed up there and and follow us we could really do it to support going into the new year and if you'd like to email cam projects you can do so uh canprojects.info at gmail.com And with us today is Ed Opperman, private investigator and digital forensics expert. He's a true crime talk radio show host and a person really worth uh, checking out and supporting he's got mountains and mountains and mountains of super high quality content you gotta go and check it out guys true crime is pretty pretty hot uh topic in the podcast world and ed is probably uh been been, 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 been pioneered a lot a, a lot of the work um uh he's very um lots of good works and i'm i'm messing up the, the <laughs> The ad, so I'll edit them in. Ed, we're gonna we're gonna drop back now in a minute. So, and hello, hello, hello. You're all very welcome back to the Calm Projects podcast. I'm your host Shane McKay, and we're here with a brilliant guest, uh, as you just already know, Ed Opperman. Uh, are you there, Ed? Are you, are you back with us? I am here. I'm, I was brilliant enough to find my way back to the, <laughs> to the <laughs> <microphone>. <laughs> I have to stumble around my house. <laughs> yeah. How's the new studio going, by the way? I don't know. I think it's a, I still have a lot of problems. Um, as you know, because Shane knows what's going on behind the scenes here, but there, there's so much. Uh, I go to bed at night. I wake up the next day. All my settings are changed. There's all kind of crap going on with me oh. in my life. You know, one of the reasons why I didn't have a, a cell phone for years is because uh, I would use, the, I would borrow one from a friend standing next to me because if a subpoena came along, I could, kind of, <laughs> they couldn't subpoena my phone records. Right. So that was always helpful. So yeah, I, I got a lot of, uh, you know, stuff going on over here. A lot of problems. But, uh, More the same. Yeah. More the same. 
So we're talking today about uh, technology and we really got into mobile phones there um, and we're talking about, I suppose, the impact that this stuff is having on, on society and culture. And I'd, I'd like to get into the social media uh, side now, mm. a little bit, Ed. Um, like Facebook is something that I've never been interested in. I've never been interested in using it. Um, people, and when, when, when people are kind of to be like, well, why? I'm like, well, it just doesn't, I just don't like it. I'm just, I'm sorry, but you know, it's, 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 it's not my cup of tea. But I find it really interesting now how um, they've made their, they've made their move, you know, over there. Uh, they're now meta. Uh, and they want to make this metaverse, and um, I find it interesting. It looks like they're kind of like with the way it's been. I've heard it described is it's going to be more of a junction than a platform. I think they're kind of they're fed up doing the platform thing, but their credibility, Facebook, is like like so bad now. It's like the, I, and I know. Did you see that story where they like they they delete? Maybe 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 it wasn't everywhere, but I know here we heard that they deleted all their facial recognition data. Hmm. No, I did not hear that. No, I did not hear that. Yeah. Uh, but but it reminds me of um, uh, when we were little and we went to Disneyland one time in California, and in, in that Imaginarium, the thing of the future, you go there, and it was a little table you could sit down, and they could they took your picture. And then they emailed it to you. So you would, they were a database. 30 million people a year go to Disney. And they were creating this database of your picture and your email. And I just said, this is my God. Well, how could people be so stupid to do this, you know? And it was that same thing too over at the, uh, you know, that little car thing, auto, automation, uh, where they, at the end, they'd give you a driver's license. So they're taking your picture and your name, <laughs> your picture and your name. It's uh, unbelievable. But now I mean, when you go into walking to Disney at the front door, they take your picture. But now it's, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, there's cameras that are just everywhere now. And you know these, like, oh. you know, the, the newer smart cameras, like it's not something I've looked into a lot, but I can imagine like like where 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 they've gone with it now. I'm not I'm not sure actually. There's a chance there's a chance some of it's still kind of illegal in 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 the EU with with GDPR and stuff like that. Um, but like you know, the, the, there's there's just networks and networks of CCTV everywhere anyway. But to add on the smart technology and now the AI technology on top of all of that yeah. is is kind of scary actually. Um, you know, I mean where it could kind of go i mean i did kind of we do like to add we like we like to keep things kind of like balanced you know like there's definitely there's yeah. definitely like a lot of plus pluses to the internet but we do really need to cover this stuff like because like you said i mean how how can people be kind of so naive but the reality is is that it's so new there's no precedent there's no roadmap and especially like we were saying for younger people as as how to kind of we got to get savvy we got to get super savvy on this stuff now and, and promise too, if you notice, our kids are more familiar with these things than the adults are. So, you know, and, and their minds are just being totally uh, uh, shaped and totally beyond a parent's control. I can remember raising a child when, when my daughter was little and she would say a word that I, I knew I hadn't taught her this word. I mean, I'm saying, well, where'd you learn that word? <laughs> you know, and now you can just imagine you have to you've lost all control of it. It's just so beyond. Yeah, it's totally. It's, we're totally saturated. Yeah, we're totally saturated in it now. And I mean, to get back to the social media thing, like that's something that I've heard advocates um, uh, for, for for on mental health, especially for younger people. They are they are ringing the bell right now, saying this is an epidemic. Like this, what's going on? Like how this is affecting kids? Like I actually kind of I I mean I don't you know you know me Ed I, I, I'm not you know I'm not like a, I'm, far, I'm far from a fascist guy but. 
I, I, I'm not sure how comfortable I am with kids. I don't know if that should really be legal for kids to have a phone. Like, um, I know it might, it might seem a bit, I don't know, is that kind of a, a radical step? But I mean, well, well, you know not... what, Shane, <clears throat> one of the things, I mean, my, my daughter agrees. One of the things growing up, I never gave her video games, never exposed her to video games because you see these people, grown men, adults. What'd you do on, on PlayStation, Fortnite? What, what, Fortnite? What is this crap you're wasting your time yeah. on? <laughs> yeah. you really violent me? stuff. Really a lot of violent stuff as well. And look, I don't don't get me wrong. Things like that have a place and and and, and fine. But just for me, anything like that where it's like, kind of you know what, violence. man? I gotta say something. I don't think it has any place. You know, I really don't. And um, to waste your time on something like that, like I'm, here I am, man. I got no time to do what I'm doing now. I got, I got a lot I want to get done. And to think I'm going to just throw away hours playing on a video game or sitting in front of a slot machine, punching, punching in numbers like that guy Paddock did 19 hours at a, at a slot machine, uh, a convention, uh, you know, a, a tournament, 19 hours. And then he wonders why he, he sued the casino you know, October 1st shooter, Paddock, that guy. Right. Okay. That it's a big mis- it's a big mystery to everybody why he shot up all these people, right? When meanwhile there's a lawsuit where he sued the casino for causing his depression for being at a slot machine for 19 hours, and he did it several times. Uh, that's what made the guy crazy, clearly. Uh, but you're not going to they're never going to report on that in Vegas. Hey, the cause of this shooting was the guy was a, was brain damaged from from sitting in front of a slot machine for 19 hours. Well, okay, no, I hadn't heard that actually. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never hear it. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff you'll never hear. Yeah, <laughs> you hear yeah. it on my show. Well, 19 hours, though, Ed. I mean, like 19 hours, with, with, like, with, like, isn't it like they say when people come out of those casinos, sometimes they're so disorientated um, because they haven't, yeah. they've, they've lost touch with, like, where, where, what time of day is it? And don't they continue to kind of get offered drinks in some of these places and stuff? And it's just... Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's, all, there's patterns in the carpets, there's patterns in the lighting um, that hypnotize you and cause you to stay in there longer. There's a temperature. Um, but if you've, I don't know if you ever played Joker Poker, but you consider it a Joker Poker machine. And after a while, your fingers going so fast, you're not even making good judgments anymore. You just, you know. It's worth bringing up because, like, I, I mean, I, I have heard, like, um, some of the pioneering tech companies when they were putting these platforms together, they went and they studied like oh, yeah, this absolutely. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, oh, the, the sense they they pump certain scents, you know, uh, smells, you know, into the casino, and then you have these women walking around, these cocktail waitresses, and these provocative outfits, it's sexual stimulation. It's all, all this is not. They know what they're doing. Yeah, you know, it's all about impulse, kind of, isn't it? It's like impulsive yeah. behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's the Facebook stuff. I'm kind of really curious how that's going to play out. Um, but it always seems like it's something, if it's not one thing, it's something else with them. Uh, but, oh, there was a good one actually was the, um, <laughs> okay. We're totally not sponsored by Ray-Ban, but did you see that, uh, the Ray-Ban story glasses or whatever that was, that, have you seen those? No, I haven't. What's that? <laughs> oh, you're going to love this, man. Uh, it's like. Ray Ban glasses in yeah. partnership with Facebook that has two cameras either side. Um, but don't worry, you'll know when the cameras are on because they have two little lights that like turn on to let people know that when they're actually recording. I don't know if the idea is you can stream directly to your Facebook, but I think th- 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 this thing on the ads, like 
hit 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 the scene like and in a day or two like people a lot of people are kind of up in arms saying no this is just this is going to be a total privacy nightmare um and it's died down i haven't heard much about it since actually i, I do remember that story and it's funny for zuckerberg to say well don't worry you'll know when the cameras are on when they caught him at the gym there and he had a piece of tape over his camera on his laptop yeah multiple <laughs> so, times yeah, yeah. multiple yeah. times isn't it and he's yeah. been asked about it and he's like well yeah and they can watch us i'm like oh okay yeah. You would know, <laughs> I suppose. Um, so yeah, I, 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 again, I mean, it's like there are there's a lot of really good stuff, but th- these pitfalls we really have to be aware of, and we ha- I really think as a culture and, and as a society and globally we have to be like very vigilant with this stuff because if we just let it run rampant, that's totally what's going to happen. It's already a bit of a rabid kind of mutant out there. Um, it's gotten. Like the saturation level is is actually kind of quite worrying. Uh, All these things could could be used for good, you know? All this technology could be used for good. Uh, But as long as it's controlled by people whose motivation is to take money from my pocket and put it into their pocket and to control my life and to motivate me to spend my money and direct my, my labor... And keep me, you know, one of the things too, we're talking about how uh, this eight hour work day and this uh, five day work week is designed again uh, to keep us so tired and exhausted and distracted that once we have a minute time off that we splurge and spend up all our money to entertain ourselves, uh, abandon uh, because we're, we're living like slaves. You know, we're living like slaves and, and all these things are tools of slavery to control us even more. Now they could be if we could liberate ourselves and take control of these things, then we could we could be living a life of uh, you know ease and pleasure and and you know Shane, uh, I was thinking about this too. The the number one people say well and those things will never work because people are that's not our our manner that's not our, our we're not built like that uh, that's not our nature, but it actually is. The main goal in every person's life is to find a wife, to find a husband, to find a love of your life and raise happy, healthy children. This is our main thing. This is what we're designed to do. Not to dog eat dog and the jungle warfare and to, you know, the animal kingdom. No, but we're based on love and and compassion and nurturing little babies into adults. So we can, if we could just somehow uh, wrest control of uh, the levers of power, uh, we could have a life of love and sharing you know uh people yeah. i i saw a great quote there actually i came across um uh and it was um the sooner the world uh learns that the, the, the it was something along the lines of it's a it's a quote from G- Jimi hendrix and and, mm-hmm. and apparently the cherokee peoples that uh the power as soon as we tune into the power of love as opposed to the love of power that's when we're going to see peace, real peace, like, like sustainable kind of, um, you know, a kind of thing. Um, and I, 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 I am encouraged, though, that there are like things are do seem to be gradually kind of. And we was talking about this, Ed, about we are seeing like the fruits of good works now that are kind of. But we got it's an ongoing thing. We got to kind of really keep it, stay on top of it and keep going. And like you look at like a company like Apple, OK? And for me, that's a company like their model is just based on pure exploitation. It's all about exploitation. And if they're a company that were on my radar uh, a long time ago, being in the sound business, because they 
uh, well, studio sound, say. And what they what they really they really tried to the same way they did with video and Avid. They really, really tried to corner the market in the sound game and the music game. And they were like, well, the same way with the Apple iPhone or, or, or these different things that it's like, you know, like you're not, well, they, they've changed it now. I'm going to get on to the right to repair. But how, you know, you can't, um, you can't get your, your Apple phone repaired. It has to be done by one of their guys. And if you try and open it up, well, you void your warranty and mm. you basically can't get it fixed. And I saw them implement models like that where it was all about cornering the market so as a company and our model i don't there's a i i i, I don't find them um very tasteful you know and uh but I'm, I'm very encouraged to see this right to repair movement really start to pick up momentum and i, I mean they've been that's an old movement it's not a new thing at all and um there was a there's a thing here i think it's an eu an eu wide directive uh, i don't know if you've heard of this where they want to have a universal charger and it was something that was put to apple like in 2007 2008 and they were like no 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 this is going to cause war- more waste if we try and have this universal charger and it's looking like it's going to cost the consumer another quarter of a billion a year just by standardizing this 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 uh, charger and they were trying to say like no no this will ca- cause more waste but i don't really see how that computes like that you know if people don't need to keep going out and buying extra cables and new cables like i mean i talked about it before about how you know when i was in college and i learned how to solder things and how to fix things mm-hmm. but that's gone now now what they're teaching now is like here's how to make a mobile app you know so it's, it, it is a do- I really do think it's a double-edged sword and you're right you know we can use these things for good but it, we got to be vigilant with this stuff um, yeah, you can't fix your car yourself unless you go out and buy one of those computers to, to plug in and, and do the diagnostics and those things like seven thousand dollars yeah exactly yeah. and that's a monopoly that's like just like they're actively yeah. trying to monopolize on it and uh, we got I mean it's it's the same thing again just more more trying to corner markets Um I mean, I'm really tuning into this idea, this non non exploitative kind of, kind of thing. So it'd be kind of interesting to see. I, what, what was the story with um, Dor- Jack Dorsey? Now he stepped down from Twitter, mm. and that was kind of an interesting move. Um, like it was kind of it was kind of it was leaked. I think. Did you see that, Ed? Yeah, I heard about it first from Lauren Bobert. Okay. <laughs> the right wing nut with the guns, you know, <laughs> obsessed right. with, it. and her husband's flashing his penis at little kids. Oh my god! You know, uh, yeah, and she's the one. I saw her mention this on Twitter that he was leaving. Uh, I, you know, let me tell you something. That's always struck me. Um, I used to be part of this group of uh, search engine optimization and internet marketers uh, called the Warrior Forum, and. Um, I remember when Twitter first came out, the first week that Twitter came out, they were all saying, everyone's got to get your Twitter handle, get in there. This is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And I says, well, how, how, what are they talking about? How is this thing going to be huge? What is it? You know, how do they know it's going to be huge? And I found out later that these guys, there were some top guys behind this forum, this warrior forum, uh, who were internet marketers. And what they had done was uh, they had, remember the, the Acacia Berry, right? And, and the Cassia Berry showed up on Oprah Winfrey show and they did these stories and it was great for everything. It was, uh, it was uh, antioxidant. You could lose weight with it. It uh, had diet pills and teas. These guys paid for that study 
These guys paid for the study that said that this berry would solve all your problems. They got it on Oprah and they were ready to go. They had the teas, they had the pills, the vitamins. It was all a giant marketing plan that was structured from start to finish. And these are the same guys that are telling us to go out and sign up to Twitter. Okay. This, this forces out there of media manipulation and social engineering that also capitalists, these major capitalists have a way of, uh, of going in there and, and utilizing that we just think we're just guys, just like we thought we were guerrilla war- warriors. We thought we were guerrilla uh, marketers, you know, trying to use the system against it itself. But meanwhile, it was all uh, controlled. It was all controlled uh, marketing. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's it. Um, like it is the internet. It is like a big shop, really. At the end of the day, like um, yeah, you know, and and what really drove the internet? Porn, pornography. You know what really uh, advanced the internet? You know the the, the pornography market, the, the business, which is a billion dollar industry. Yeah, yeah, and that kind of gets um, kind of gets forgotten about a bit. Actually, sometimes it's like for something that's so big, it like. It's what we hear a story like once or twice, a big story like once or twice a year, but there's probably God only knows how many, how much stuff going on in the background that we don't hear about. Mm-hmm. Um, like I found that one interesting, wasn't it? Like during the pandemic, like one of the one of the well known sites, uh, they started giving out giving out free, uh, free, 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 free porn for everybody. You know, you just oh got, really? Yeah, oh, you yeah. remember? Yeah, it was like you just got to sign up and give us your credit card details. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, all those porn hub, you know, it's owned by one company. One guy owns yeah. all of that stuff. And uh, it's very interesting, too, is that uh, one of these major pornographers went on to own uh, one of these Internet privacy, domain privacy companies. OK. And, uh, you know, that's owned by it. <laughs> it came out of that business. And it's not as private as people think. Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing <laughs> is it, I, like I, like it doesn't matter what it is. It's like it's all. I don't know where. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Like they talk here, like it's all everyone got bangs on about GDPR, like privacy online. It's like there is no privacy, online, no privacy online. You know, so there it's like no what was them? Um, actually, this is something that wasn't in my notes, but it's a good one to cover. Is like things like you know that Signal app and these other uh, WhatsApp right. spin-off groups and um, like. You know, it's like one or two people try and tell me, like, you know, oh, you got to get on this thing. You know, they're not they're not ha- harvesting your data and stuff. I was like, man, just the very fact that you think you're safe on there means you're so not safe. You know, it's so true. Yeah, there's backdoors into all that stuff. There's yeah. just no way. Yeah, I can tell you, going way back uh, to the 80s or, or really the 90s back in New York when I was in the beeper business. All the guys from the beeper business were in the alarm business because it was that same monthly recurring billing. So people that were in the alarm business uh, selling that uh, monthly monitoring service would uh, went into the beeper business. These guys were selling people's alarm codes. <laughs> it's back to it's built into all those alarm codes. Uh, the CIA wants to get into your place, man. They got all the codes. They can make a copy of your key. You know, it's it's just uh, there's no there's no privacy. There's no security. No, and like back to what I said, like, we just got to be savvy. Like, if we think that we're, like, the safer we think, think we are, probably the, the, like, the and more trouble we are because we're really not safe when it comes to this stuff. And you got to be really, really vigilant. You know, I know I've said that a few times already today in the show, but, like, it really is the case. Hey, if anything, you're drawing more attention to yourself, like, by signing up to a, 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 pri- a super privacy. Exactly. Uh, That's it. And yeah. there was, like, some really big sting operations that, were, like, I didn't follow the, 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 the stories, like, super close, but it was, like, literally, like, a week or two 
you after this it was all the rage it was like oh get on this thing it was like oh this yeah. thing happened and that sting happened and, and then this yeah. other sting happened and uh, I, I think one of these places was set up for for the whole trump crowd you know with this guy the guy was sketchy as you know as you can possibly they got it set up the company you know and then it was that whole that story behind the scenes with Silk Road, you know, and the the dark web about that DEA agent who was shaking them down for money. And all he did was just he, he sent them a picture of his badge, and then they were releasing information to him. And uh, he was shaking them down. That guy, not by the way, that guy, no charges or nothing. We, we know this guy was shaking them down for cash. He was, he was exposed, never charged with anything. Still an active DEA agent right now. Well, that's pretty bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a show coming up called uh, uh, Bone Deep. I, I just interviewed this lawyer uh, from, uh, I think it was Indiana, something like that. Um, I forget where it was. No, uh, St. Louis. St. Louis, it was. And uh, what a case, man, where this guy got railroaded for his wife's murder and all the clues led to this woman who had just uh, become the beneficiary of his wife's insurance policy <laughs> four days before the murder. It's like a trail of breadcrumbs to this murderer, but they put the husband in jail. He was awaiting trial three years in jail. Got convicted the first time, they had a second trial, and he finally got out of there. But just the, one of the most bizarre cases I've, I've ever seen of a, a criminal case. I don't know, is it with stuff like that? Is there just, is, is it that there's stuff going on in the background that just yeah. like we don't hear about and we're not able to hear about it because there's kind of cogs in motion legally and stuff and all this kind of... Yeah, even uh, I've been involved in a lot of criminal defense work, and, uh, and even when the, the the real defense, you know, but you can't use the real defense because it just, this doesn't sound good, it doesn't look good, and this is a better defense. So we're going to make up this whole story of what the defense is. And there's that. Now, a lot of times there's political motivations going on in the background and, and shady deals and defense attorneys who make deals with prosecutors. Okay, oh, we're going to commit this guy, but I got this other guy. I really need to get him off. You know, if you let him go. So there's all kinds of stuff, the shenanigans that goes on. And they laugh about it. You go to the bars where these uh, lawyers hang out uh, near the courthouse and they're just laughing about it. Yeah. Big joke. Payoffs. Yeah. yeah. And I think it kind of reminds me a little bit like things like this, like back to what we were saying. It's like, well, when, when, when legally there hasn't been precedent set, it depends. Like if people are in the know about these things, they totally capitalize on it. There's no getting away from that. Exactly. Um, it's a little bit like it reminds me about uh, here in, in Ireland, uh, with mobile phones and the mobile phone companies, it was revealed that we were paying way, way, way over the 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 the, the rate compared to the rest of Europe. It was like us and Iceland, and like Ireland's kind of known as being a fairly chatty kind of nation, you could say. Um, and so we spend a lot of time on the phone. So it was like, how are we paying the highest rates if we've got like the highest, nearly the, the we? I think it was like the one of the highest call rates, you know. And what it was as far as I could see, these companies knew there was a day coming down the line. They knew that was going to get regulated and it was a case of let's milk this thing as much as yeah. we can while we can. And it, got, it does go back to this again, this capitalistic just, you know, make money, make... It's not really make money, it's extract money, extract money. Steal money, yeah. Steal, yeah, yeah. steal money, yeah. yeah. When I first got into the cell phone business, um, early 2000 or 1999 around that time, um, there was this thing where um, you could choose your own long distance provider. So what I did was I went to all the long distance companies so I can get a commission on which long distance service I, I signed up my people to. And I would sign them to the one I got the most commission for. So I started seeing these reports at the end of the month and people who I knew I signed up for long, like my sister. I just signed up my sister to your company. Where is my commission on her long distance bill? 
So, oh, and that's a big company. That's MCI. They would never, they're, they're too, you know, they would never steal a penny. They were ripping us off like blind all over the place. And, you know, it's... And they know the what they, they totally yeah. know what they're at. Like, it's like, you know, it's yeah. like, again, it's like, let's just make the most of this while we can, because it's like, it's like mini little gold rush, you know, but it's coveted, you know, it's kind of like, oh, we'll just keep this, you know, don't let the, don't let the cat out of the bag on this one, you know, we still got to, we got to milk this one. And, and the bigger these companies are, the more they do it, because they can get away with it more. Yeah. Look at the whole, all, all my shows with, with uh, Hoffenberg, you know, Tower Financial. They had Rudy Giuliani on the payroll for $1 million a year. It's just to keep the SDNY off their back. And it worked for many, many years until he started poking around the wrong places. And, and who was left holding the bag? Hoffenberg. Epstein walks away. Darren Endek, all these other guys walk away. And Hoffenberg winds up going to jail. What what's the latest on that Ed? Is there much news? I know that the case is kind of um, we didn't did I think the um, did the defense prosecution, rest, or prosecution re- rested was it? Prosecution rested on Friday. The last witness was Annie Farmer, who's a sister of uh, Maria Farmer, and Hoffenberg's very close to both of them. I'm doing a show every Friday night now with Hoffenberg on case updates for the week, and I'm interviewing a, a fellow too from Twitter. Uh, uh, Big Fish is his Twitter name, and he he follows the trial very closely. Um, I don't know, man. Um, a lot of people seem to be confident. I'm not that confident. And when you see uh, pictures of um, defendant in, in a criminal case and you see a picture of her sitting on the Queens. Uh, you sent me that picture, as a matter of fact. Shane is yeah. the one, McKay, is the one who sent me that photo mm-hmm. of uh, Epstein and Maxwell sitting on the, the cabin. And then there's a picture of uh, the Queen of England sitting at the same bench on the same cabin. Now, the way this stuff works, and I was talking to Hoverberg about this, because I know a lot about how these pictures are sold to tabloids and how they're brokered and stuff like that. I've been doing this for a long time. And I know for 100% fact that at one point in this discussion, that photograph was shopped to the Queen of England and the palace. And, and hey, would you like to buy this picture that we're about to sell to these tabloids? So for whatever reason, they declined. And I can tell you, too, there's pictures of Harry all over Vegas, man. Harry was a big character in Vegas. There's a bunch of pictures of him. <laughs> no one's ever seen. Right. Okay. And I've talked to some of these girls in those pictures, and they're afraid to talk to anybody about it uh, for years. Uh, so the queen was offered that picture, and she declined to silence it. And the tabloids who did take possession of it chose during the week of trial. The last day of trial, just about the last day of the prosecution's defense to put that picture out. And I believe that's a signal to prosecutors and judges and everybody that they're with us. Okay, so watch your step. Okay, and I'm very concerned about what's going to happen with this trial. And even if she does get convicted, I don't even believe she'll be sitting in jail. I think these people take care of their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I kind of, I'm kind of, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make any assumptions about it until it all plays out because it's all just yeah. stunk from the beginning anyway. So true, man. Yeah. Listen, Ed, I, I, I don't really want to let you go. I'd keep you on the air here, but I know you gotta, you, you're, you're going to be packing soon. You've got some stuff to attend to. But is there anything else you would kind of want to get into quickly before? Are we good? No, I'm good. I need a nap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm going to take a nap yeah. for some part. Packing. Okay, well, look. But it's, it's great to talk to you, Shane. It's always great yeah. to talk to you, man. Ah, yeah. Thank you for everything. Oh, no, not, not at all. But th- th- thanks for coming on today. I know you're a busy guy and really appreciate you taking the time out to come on and chat with us um we love to we, we, we love to listen and I, I would say to the audience again go and check out the opperman reports oppermanreport.com that's right keep an eye on the opperman report because we're going to have shane and chris come on as a guest uh, as soon as um, i get back from dc 
yeah thanks Ed. that's a, that's a great invite for us to have um and, and and thanks for all the encouragement and and, and the support as well ed um, it really uh really makes a big difference when we all uh, like we to say like 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 we like to say around here is to help each other help us all and that's really all we want to do is just to help each other i don't really see why there's a problem why anybody should be yeah. Uh, in two minds about that but anyway Ed listen thanks a million again and um, I hope you enjoy the rest of the month and uh, and keep well please thank you brother good night good night Ed thank you thanks so much there you go guys that's Ed Ed Opperman uh, from oppermanreport.com you can find his show uh, on spreaker.com and he's also on Patreon so they're probably the two best places to go and check Ed out. He's like I said, he's got mountains and mountains of stuff. Um, you heard him mention like a fairly high-profile case there that's in the news right now. He's given a bit of coverage on that, and like, actually he's given a lot of coverage in the past, but he's doing it right now as well. As uh, soon as the case is going on, I tend to kind of agree with what he's saying there. I don't think we should just like take it for granted that um, we're going to see justice kind of carried out swiftly and fairly because that hasn't been how it's how it's been kind of playing out but sure we'll see we live in hope isn't it anyway we try to at least anyway so i'll do the usual and pull up the old bumper here and and chris needs we missed you today we missed you buddy um but we got it covered i think didn't we yourself and myself we got we, we we've gone over quite a lot of this kind of internet social media toxicity potential tox toxicity that uh, society seems to be kind of saturated in right now so like we said we've got to stay vigilant on this stuff guys and if there's anybody out there who'd like to get in touch with the can projects you can do so at canprojects.info at gmail.com and you can find our podcast on spreaker.com you can also find us on spotify audible apple Podcasts, google Deezer and we'll get some clips and stuff like that on YouTube. Um, but if you do want to, if you want to really kind of help give us a leg up, Spreaker.com is the place to go and do that. So without further ado, I wish you all the best. And please, like we said, if you can help each other, help us all. Are you an artist or creator with a social conscience? Do you have an inspiring story or material to share that's helpful to people? Are you an expert on culture, arts, nature or wellness? If this sounds like you or someone you know, we'd love to hear from you at Can Projects, where we advocate that active engagement in positive and creative outlets is beneficial to our health and environment. 
Our talk show Can Projects podcast reaches 20 plus online platforms and features insightful, inspiring and expert guests. You can check out the show on our free archives on Spreaker.com and YouTube. We'd love to hear from you, so please feel very welcome to email us at canprojects.info at gmail.com. Help each other. Help us all. Okay, let's get going here. Okay. All right. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Five, four, three, two, and go. Okay, welcome to the Opperman Report. I'm your host, private investigator Ed Opperman. Uh, you can find me at Opperman Investigations and Digital Forensic Consulting through my website, emailrevealer.com, or you could just email me directly at oppermaninvestigations at gmail.com. Uh, if you like our show, be sure and check out our, our Patreon, where we have uh, exclusive content up there. I got about five or six hours of brand new exclusive content I have to upload there, and it'll be going up like it'll be scheduled to go up once a week. Uh, but we have about ninety days of the old stuff uh, all up there, ad free. Uh, you can check out our archives at Spreaker.com. Go to Spreaker.com. You sign up for free. Uh, there's a, you get an email notification anytime we put up new content. And also, too, there's a chat room and a, a message board where you can chat with other listeners. Our guests today are a couple of old friends. I've done their show a couple of times. They've got a podcast and a YouTube channel. Uh, you can find them at their website, which is called canprojectsinfo.wixsite.com. Uh, their email is uh, uh, canprojects.info at gmail.com. We're talking about Shane McKay and Chris Sneed, who run the Can Project, which is really a, a good-hearted project, man. It's like these guys, they're not doing any kind of true crime or conspiracy or anything like that. It's all like a public service type uh, content, zero waste, uh, American Indian Affairs, all, all, art, photography, all kind of great stuff. Uh, so let's start with Shane. Shane McKay, are you there? I'm here, Ed. How you doing? <laughs> so so good to have you on the show, Shane. How are you? I'm good, Ed. Thanks. Thanks so much for having us on. It's a real joy to be on here with you to chat with you. Yeah, thank you. So tell tell us your audience. Who is Shane McKay? Yeah, well, uh, I'm the co-founder, well, one of the co-founders uh, and uh, project coordinator at Can Projects. And Can Projects, it's it's an outreach project, and um, it's it's Can starts for culture arts nature and wellness and that's really where most of my attention is going these days and we have a podcast and uh it's a talk show kind of format surprise surprise ed and uh with my buddy uh chris needs here and um among 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 talking a lot um or aside from talking a lot i'm also a musician and a sound engineer and that's my background before i got into this kind of outreach stuff but uh it's it's work really passionate about and what we focus on is helping people really so our motto at calm projects is to help each other help us all so shane do i detect like a brooklyn accent are you from brooklyn new york no no i'm from dublin ed in ireland uh a bit of flat accent all right <laughs> a wee bit a wee, a wee bit, bit just a wee bit yeah yeah and chris, now how about you yeah. okay chris, chris sneed tell us about yourself who is chris sneed right i'm a bit of a mad one um i am a physical massage therapist a holistic therapist um i'm a clown 
I was a long-time historical reenactor. Um, all around hippie. Hmm. Yeah. Now, now that's um, fascinating because one time Shane made a joke. Uh, it was around the Christmas season, and he said you had to do your seasonal duties. And I says, "What are you talking about?" I says, you, "That you dress up as Santa. Do you really dress up as Santa Claus?" Oh yeah, yeah. I'm pretty. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm a pretty good Santa Claus, you know. But um, yeah, we did. Um, we did. Like this is kind of the the, the impetus for the start of um, the Can projects was that we we were doing video Santa during um, the COVID lockdowns, and um, we kind of set up a, a separate part of it, which was the spirit of Christmas, which was like if if you just didn't have the money or you were like, we did a lot of special needs schools and things and we just didn't charge them because like we didn't feel it was right. And from doing that, we kind of, you know, we, we got a bit of a, a bit of a good feeling from doing that. And we decided to work on trying to help. You know, that's interesting. I never even crossed my mind that uh, it, Santa season, you know, kids jump on Santa's lap and they give them the list and all that kind of stuff in the supermarket, the in the yeah. mall. But I guess they had to uh, discontinue that during during the pandemic. Oh yeah, um, like all sorts of things were like that were just kind of um, you know kibosh, like you know, uh, and like when you think about it, like it's an important part of growing up is seeing Santa. You know, right. it's 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 they're, they're some of people's fondest memories from childhood. So it's, it's kind of a family like almost, thing as well, you know. It's a real family event going yeah. to see Santa with the grandparents and everything, and um, it's kind of we did it. It was a, it was a real kind of uh, morale boost kind of project we did, and I think then because we got the remote stuff down, it just kind of we were in a good position to basically kind of hey, do you know what? What if we what if we keep doing this? But we we start talking to other people and reaching out and getting guests in, and we've kind of we've kind of we've kind of focused really on, I think. In, we try to get guests on that inspire us, you know, or that inspire other people to, and just to have a really good kind of um, energy about the thing, you know, and uh, yeah. keep it very, we, we try and keep it very people orientated, like, you know, like, so like politics and, and, and things like that, it'll come up sometimes. We really, I think a big thing we tried to, a cornerstone we put into it was like trying like, you know, cover interesting, useful stuff. But but in a way that's not going to kind of polarize the audience and try and try and be a unifying uh, 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 force. If that's I don't think that's really the right word, but a unifying body, you know, is 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 it, 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 you know and they, they can all they can all come under our umbrella, you know. <laughs> yeah, so there's like there's a whole range of guests. I mean, you mentioned a few there, but it's, it's it, we're really I think we I think because like we're volunteers, it's, it's totally voluntary, you know. And um, we're trying, we're working on ways to try and get it get get a bit of revenue going just to kind of at least cover costs. And but it's it's kind of pretty much a co-op kind of a model really we're going for, and not a non-exploitative kind of model is what we're going for, and we're finding that the response to that is very very positive. You know, it's working really well for us, and even though right now it's a voluntary thing, I'm 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 reasonably confident that it's going in a direction that it'll be able to keep growing. You know, so that that's very encouraging. You know, and I think the learning side is also another really good good thing. You know, meeting new people and. As well, it helps us, you know, kind of like not to feel so isolated, especially after the last couple of years, you know, um, with, with lockdown and all of that. I think reaching out into our communities is really important. So I'm finding that for myself on a personal level, like very uh, helpful, you know. How did you two guys meet each other and how long have you known each other? A long, long ago in the distant land of Ireland, hmm. 
we uh, one of my friends changed schools from a, a, a an English speaking school to a Gwale school, an Irish speaking school, and we were very good friends at the time. And she met someone in the Gwale school, who uh, they became very good friends as well, and we met through that acquaintance. So this would be like well, the 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 American equivalent would be um, high school, basically. So we've mm. known each other since like high school. <laughs> yeah, twenty years, like yeah, over twenty over twenty years, over twenty years. Yeah. So now, you were saying that uh, one of the shows you're most proud of is about uh, Native Americans, what is, or yeah. Indians. What is that again? Yeah, the AAIA, the Association on American Indian Affairs. They're an organization that have been going since 1922. And Chris was actually initially the one who had the idea. Hey, these would be some great guys to talk to, and. He followed up on that and it took a fair bit of research and kind of getting in contact with him. And I think it did. We, I took we were, it was a good few months, like lining months. the show up, months and months, you know. And but we learned so much from it, you know. And it's we, we, we really have a kind of um, an open dialogue kind of approach to the, to the content that we do. So we kind of we really kind of welcome different viewpoints and ideas. And we have this this kind of idea that, you know, we don't all have to agree on everything all the time. In a lot of cases, we do, but we 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 we're, we're, we just kind of take that approach, and it 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 made for such an interesting conversation with the AIOIA. It was Shannon O'Loughlin, the CEO from over there, um, great great great. Uh, it was Indian 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 for anybody interested in that. They've got a great website mm-hmm. and great podcast as well. Actually, Red Hoop Talk, uh, Native News and Talk, and they've really been doing incredible work because. The indigenous, indigenous people all over the planet, really, from what our research has is, is shown us, um, have been, have, are just suffering so much and already were pre-pandemic. But just anybody mm. out there on the margins, anybody, but whether it's people with disabilities or, uh, I mean, uh, uh, hearing impaired people even had a very hard time with the pandemic just because of masks. There are things that are just on such a basic level. Anyone marginalised has really been pushed further to the margins, I think. And so the AIA well, I- for us was a really important one to to cover yeah. and listen to what they have to say and um the, you know like you know ed you, you've covered it a bit yourself like the murdered and missing uh indigenous women is a huge um mm. huge issue and, and that's something we're gonna we're gonna get into at some point as well um but yeah that was that was kind of like a special one to us actually because um the uh that, that that lady we had in um uh Shannon uh she's from the Choctaw Nation and that's actually it just has the well Shannon O'Loughlin is a very Irish name to start with <laughs> but uh the the Choctaw Nation is actually traditionally the one that it, 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 in Ireland they helped us out during the famine the great famine in uh, the 18 18th century wasn't it Christmas middle of the 18th uh, 1800s we ran out of potatoes and they were sending us money and stuff so there's like it was just kind of funny that um, it kind of worked out that way that, mm. that's who we ended up talking to because it wasn't planned that way it just kind of worked out that way um, and we learned yeah, so like, much like, though we learned so much from that show that has mm. really helped now as we go on in the rest of our work to inform and give us ideas on kind of maybe other things to look at you know because um, yeah they're very focused on the environment, you know, and having a good relationship with our environment. And for us as well, I can, that's like probably central thing to our work, especially with Chris being a holistic uh, therapist and stuff, you know. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Now, I noticed one of the titles is Indigenous Children Taken Boarding School Error. Now, is that talking about like all these kids that went missing? Because that went on all over the world, Canada, yeah. in the 
Right, you can't. Um, not so much missing. They were kind of um, like it was a way of integrating them into like white society was to take them there and indoctrinate them basically. Now that happened in Ireland as well with mm. certain things, and you know, yeah, assimilation practices. That's like Shannon. That's a clip actually from the full show. That's one thing we do because we find like if you got an hour's worth of content. Some people, because it's an outreach project, we really want to get the information out there and share it with people. So we're aware that like not everybody has an hour or half an hour to sit down and listen to a podcast or a talk show or something like that. So I'll take clips and segments of shows, like important bits. And that's a clip from the full hour sh- that we did with uh, Shannon. And we got into that. We, we spoke a bit about that. And we were talking about Canada. That was in the news recently in Canada. There were similar things in Irish news as well. We talked about on the show to do with... Um, Oh, what was it, Chris? Um, uh, unwed mothers and yeah, yeah, the mother yeah. and baby homes and sad stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I know Shane was very moved. I did, I did an interview with the uh, Charles Upman, uh, who was the the father of uh, a Misty Upman, who was raped at the Golden Globes. We believe, you know, she's dead now. She's passed away in a tragic accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we believe it was by Harvey Weinstein. Now we we're mostly convinced. And I know Shane was very moved by that story. And if uh, you listen to the story of her life, she was she was raped, gang raped, uh, on a reservation at the rec center. And the, the tribal police just said, "Well, you know, boys will be boys. That's just you know how things are these days, you know." And just uh, just a horrific. Uh, never had a chance. Never had a chance. Um, you yeah, know, it did. It, did, it. it did really move me. You know, as and I think that was one of the earlier shows. And I, I was just uh, mm. yeah, I was deeply moved by that. Um, You'd kind of want to be heartless to not be moved by it. You know? yeah. That's so true. Now, what about you? Because, you know, I talk about it all the time. I get like PTSD from all the, the stress, the, the different tragedies, the traumas I hear about all the time. Uh, what about you guys? Have you any kind of uh, content yet that's really upset you? Oh, yeah. It gets, like, it's it, like, it, I, I think, I think when, I, for me anyway, at least when I'm, when, when I'm, when, if I'm tired and kind of run down, the stuff kind of will affect me a bit more. So it's more mm-hmm. so that than any particular thing it's like if we've been doing a load of stuff and because generally we do go we 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 talk about kind of like toughish topics sometimes but the way we frame it is kind of kind of feels healthy but i do feel do get a little bit ptsd sometimes and it's just yeah yeah how about you chris like coming up to the christmas we did have to pump the brakes a little bit and just to give ourselves some headspace yeah you know we kind of we're going to have to take a little break from being too heavy and put out some more lighter content. Yeah. Because uh, one of uh, your, your, your goals here is also health and wellness, right? And I guess that's mostly because of uh, uh, Chris uh, Sneed's background as a uh, <laughs> holistic kind of guy. Uh, so, and I, I noticed a couple of the shows discuss fatigue. So, so what kind of uh, advice can you give us to deal with fatigue? Because I have fatigue right now. Oh, really? Right. Well, fatigue. So for me, well, we've got Chris on 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 the one side, who's a holistic, holistic therapist, and me, who has who uh, I've been living with chronic fatigue or uh, syndrome or 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 uh, ME is is the other name for for like close to twenty years now. And so we cover that a bit and fatigue for me, um, if you're feeling, everyone I think probably has, on, uh, there's loads of different types of fatigue, you know, you can be fatigued mm. from lots of different stuff. Um, but yeah. I think, manage, I think, I think Ed's being aware of it and then just working out how to manage it. That's the, all I can really say has worked for me, you know, is, yeah. um, just try, try know your limits. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. No. And then there's the long COVID <laughs> thing. Basically, when <laughs> basically I had long, I had something that's very like long COVID, but 20 years ago. 
so few. Yeah, I believe I had COVID too back in November uh, before uh, it started like in March. And I think I had it in that, uh, November prior to that a little about a half year earlier because that, that, around that Thanksgiving, I was so sick. I had the worst sore throat I've ever had in my life and I was coughing uh, and fatigue. And, and just my body's been different ever since. So who, who knows what's going on with that? So uh, but mm-hmm. now do you, do you give advice on how for people to deal with fatigue? Because I guess the worst thing you could do is self-medicate with like alcohol and uh and yeah, and stuff, right? Oh yeah. Well, diet, diet, diet definitely is a diet and your intake as far as far right. as how you interact, like whether it's socially or the food that you're eating, or the yeah. the information that you're you're consuming as well. All of that stuff is really important. So I would definitely advocate, and we I can do advocate that a holistic approach in general towards health and whether it's mental health or physical health. Um, is really really important. I think you can get you can get you can get much healthier much more quickly by having a well-rounded view of your health. You know, and and, and trying to understand mm. it. Um, that and reaching out is really important as well. Yeah. I suppose like we're doing right now, Ed. You're asking me what do I think or how am I doing or how, what have I done? That's really important. That was kind of a turning point for me, mm. and even um in during the well, pandemic, and was part of how Kang got started. Was like I I myself uh, two Christmases ago coming into the new year was feeling quite lethargic and really run down and my mood wasn't great i mean chris have been really kind of looking out for each other you know phoning in and checking in up on each other during the pandemic and i think when i when i decided to reach out and, and look for more help outside of my own network and um, that was that was also very useful and and to go and get i think kind of that was more so for the me stuff but i think any kind of illness you know if you're kind of um, you do need to go and I suppose be your own advocate sometimes you know when it comes to medical I know what's the story over there Ed with medical it's all very like private kind of saying is it or you need insurance and stuff and well you know it's really hopeless even if you have insurance uh, my insurance just got cancelled um, because you know I finally was able to start afford to buy health insurance you know because it's profit motivated here <laughs> they make a profit of your health here that's the main focus and I haven't had medical insurance, uh, like this kind of medical insurance, in years and years and years. So it's such a bizarre process. First, you have to sign up for a package. They start taking your money right away. And then they send you to a primary care physician who does nothing. Okay, all he does, he runs some blood work and he sits there, takes some notes. And then he has to refer you to everybody else who's a specialist, like a urologist or a muscle. My arm, with the, I tore my bicep. Then they'll recommend you to a series of other people. <laughs> that you then have to go, yeah. you know, weed through them, see if they're covered under your insurance, then make an appointment with them, then try and get in and see them. And then basically you get in to see them, they do nothing either. So it's just a bizarre system we have here where that's just failing everyone in every possible way. Now, I noticed in one of your recent shows here, you talk about that yourself, a uh, uh, housing and wellness crisis in derelict mm-hmm. Ireland. So tell us about that. Yeah, that's that's just actually that show just went out this weekend and uh, we were really to get those two guests was great. And I just kind of I came across their work through Twitter and they've been they, during the during the pandemic. They kind of they took it upon themselves basically um, to, you know, we were restricted here to like a two kilometer radius during the lockdown for a while. And mm. so they went out and took photographs of different. Uh, properties and houses and derelict buildings just within a two kilometer radius of Cork City, which is kind of, yeah. uh, they jokingly say it's the real capital of Ireland. It's not. Dublin is the capital. But they jokingly say Cork. 
is the is the it's the other it's the other real capital. It's the second capital, the spare one, yeah. just in case Dublin breaks down. You know? And I have to say, I was kind of shocked to see those photographs, even that there were so many of them. He's putting Frank O'Connor, Dr. Frank O'Connor over on Twitter there and Jude Sherry. Jude was actually just um, uh, uh, nominated one of Named the, it. Yeah, was it the top 100 women to make positive change in Ireland. Um, so they're definitely, their work is brilliant, you know, and um, it's like they're putting out so many photographs every day. It's kind of... It's kind of uh, very, very Shocking. worrying, you know, and and I think it's like it's a symptom of a bigger of a much bigger problem, you know, and, 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 and that includes like our societal wellness. You know what I mean? There's a crisis. There is a crisis in, in, in like this is not a healthy society, I would say, you know, that like to see that like the, the amount of the level, the level of inequality and indifference that 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 is just kind of accepted as well, I suppose boys will be boys. That's how it is, you know, and it's not healthy at all so no. I, that's where they were they were that 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 those guests were talking about derelict ireland but we it, during the conversation it was became very evident that it's also the wellness crisis is also and, and that's another topic we're coming back to soon with, with other guests um the wellness crisis because yeah. um there's a big, big 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 we were kind of like in a in a way I mean, we look at a lot of other things that are, there's all kinds of things, like um, traumas and stuff happening in the world. And I really, for me, I, without sounding pessimistic or uh, cynical, I really kind of unfortunately expected that when we all kind of got out of lockdown, we were going to have a lot, a lot of trauma and, and uh, to deal mm. with and healing to take place. So we're kind of, in a way, we're kind of... Um, I suppose that was a big motivator, Chris, wasn't it? As far as where we where we started and and where we're going with this whole thing. Yeah, that and having to having to have something to do, like for our own mental health as well. Yeah. You know, because yeah. like with with, with with my business, it pretty much fell flat on its face for the past two years because there was no parties, there was no entertainment to do. You know. Yeah, I'm sure very little massage too. People didn't want to probably, yeah, probably you prohibited from prohibited from massage. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. You can't you can't rub someone's back while you're you know staying two meters away, like unless you use a sweeping brush or something. You know. Now I also noticed too that one of the topics you've covered a couple of times is zero waste. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Um, that was that was great uh, guest. Uh, we got uh, Jack O'Sullivan from uh, ZWAI.ie. And uh, they're actually going, they're going, was it 2003, I think, they were established. Um, yeah, but they go back further than that as well, because they started yeah. out as um, a beach cleanup crew or mm-hmm. a local cleanup crew where they were going around cleaning up their own local area. Yeah. And just snowballed from there, like. Yeah, and um, that was, um, that has to do with, like, the, the, the circular economy and stuff. I don't know if you heard yeah. of that term, Ed, much, but they're talking about it loads here now. And funny enough, the previous guest we had there, Jude Sherry, she did her thesis. No, sorry, it was actually Frank who did his work in it was like nineteen eighty nine. He's been talking about he's been talking about the circular economy, and finally now it's basically just like more, more like more engaged recycling, essentially. I suppose you know, yeah. or like they call it the cradle to the cradle approach, where like everything can be reused. Essentially, there's there's nothing that ever really needs to go to a landfill. 
Yeah, I had a girlfriend that was a militant vegan, militant zero waste, and she took me to. <laughs> you know, and, and you, you think I'm kidding? Okay, let me tell you something. No, no, no. Like a, I've, I've experienced people like that as well. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> she, she worked at a supermarket for a while there, and she used to yell at her own manager because she didn't order the paper bags, and then she would yell at the like, the checkout girls and tell them to. Ask them if they want paper. Ask them if they want paper. And I should get some. But why don't you explain to the audience, though, what is zero waste and, what, and circular economy? No, I have not heard that expression before. So if you could just run through those two uh, definitions. Yeah, first. sure. Okay. Well, so zero waste, really, it, it relates to probably, I suppose, like what we produce, like what we consume and then what we turn into products. And and it also relates a lot to how what we think is being recycled is in a lot of cases being incinerated. So, so there true. are a lot of unclean practices that are going on right now that are very, very wasteful. And it's a, they're wasted resources. So that's kind of the main concept of zero waste is that right now we are wasting so much resources. And in my opinion, it has so much to do with, you know, kind of the, the exploitative uh, model that, that that society is trying to run on right now where you know it, it's better to make a profit that it's better to make a product that you can throw into landfill and then sell it to somebody again and it's it's very very backward you know it's um and luckily now it's it's really starting to people are really opening up to this like it's been pushed for a long time as a concept and an idea but now we're starting to see actual eu european union uh, legislation and implementation as well of these kind of like cleaner, greener practices. The only it just, the problem is it's taken a lot longer than it should have, and um, the circular economy then is to do with having a, a a cleaner, greener as such in inverted commas um, economy. You know that's hopefully that's going to be we're going to get into like less exploitative kind of approaches to, to to business and economics because like as far as I can see this like it's kind of it's um. It's 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 not sustainable. It's, like it's so far yeah. away from sustainable that it's like, yeah. So we but, well, that's that. so true. Uh, yeah, the, the meat industry too is so unsustainable that we can never and and the, our water usage too is unsustainable as well. Uh, it, it's and that's I, another I one. So much. That there's a lot of waste with water as well. We talked about that a lot, like leaky pipes, and it's just kind of. Well, let me tell you, like if ever like in India or China, if they started using water the way we use it here in the United States, we'd run out of water really quick. Yeah. Okay, like the, the consumption of water in the United States is just insane. And, and the fact that we still use water to, to take care of our bodily functions, our toilets and our human waste, that we're still doing that is just insane. Mm. Um, but I'd say the zero waste thing, I, I still I've picked up some habits and still at the grocery store, I don't use those plastic bags when I'm buying fruit and vegetables. And you don't wash them anyway when you get them home. And, and don't think yeah. they're clean out there when they're in, in the field. <laughs> you know, like just because yeah. you wrap this thing in plastic doesn't mean it suddenly got clean somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the biggest but, um, thing I did, though, oh no, let me, let me just interrupt you for one second because I'm actually proud of this. The biggest thing I did was in the old days before I got a coffee pot, a grinder, and I grind my own beans down. Um, I would go to the coffee shop every morning and I'd buy a cup of coffee and I'd say, oh boy, I'm so proud of myself. I drink one cup of coffee a day. But then I realized, I says, look at this, man. This is 365 cups and 365 plastic lids. So I stopped putting the plastic lid on it. I would just get the coffee. But then I says, you know what, man? I'm going to talk to this guy about selling some coffee mugs. And I found some bamboo coffee cups for him that are reusable. And I says, hey, dude, man, look, his website, you can order these bamboo reusable cups 
and give your people a discount. And so not just reducing my own coffee cup consumption, 300, which is a lot of freaking cups in a year. Just imagine. Yeah. And here I was able to do maybe 25, 35 times that uh, just by one little effort. One day's conversation. Uh, so yeah. zero waste. Yeah. No, that's nice. Because you know it is though, important, that's... you know, these little steps that, and they do all add up and, um, little bits of effort always, always. It's inc- we've got to go in the right direction, whether we're crawling or not. Like it's still as long as we're going the right mm. direction. It's just well, Ed, your your idea seems to have taken off because uh, that's kind of a common practice now. Is that most places sell reusable coffee cups and give you discounts for uh, using the coffee cup? Like, and I, I'm a pioneer, man. I'm telling you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, no. I'm, out front, I'm out in front of this stuff. Dude. All right, we gotta take we gotta take a commercial break, okay? okay we gotta take a commercial it. break. We've been talking to Shane McKay and Chris Sneed, a couple of wonderful guys here, man. Uh, and Shane's always been such a big help with the production and uh, uh, with the opera and report behind the scenes stuff. Uh, their website once again is called uh, Can Projects Info. Dot wixsite.com. You can email them directly at uh, canprojectsinfo. No, canprojects.info at gmail.com. And they just started a brand new Patreon. So if you like what you're hearing here, uh, it would be great if you go to the Can Projects uh, Patreon and support their work because uh, this is really, really good encouraging. I, I could feel it already here. And, and what is a, a Can uh, uh, stand for again? What's the it's synonymous for? It's culture, arts, nature, and we put nature and wellness together. So that's why it's just can. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll be right back with more of the Can Project podcasters, uh, Shane McKay and Chris Sneed, uh, right after these messages. We'll be back with more from the Can Projects podcast after these short messages. Here at Can, we like to focus on open and inclusive dialogue, and sometimes a bit of literature as well. So, Chris, we're gonna we're we're opening up a new chapter in the readings, the classic stories for Chris Needs. Yeah, we're going to be starting on the Time Machine, which is a classic, classic H.G. Wells novel. It's a classic for a reason as well, because it's really, really good. I love it. It's been made into a film a few times, and uh, sometimes musicals, audio dramas. Chris Need Classic Readings. Are you an artist or creator with a social conscience? Do you have an inspiring story or material to share that's helpful to people? Are you an expert on culture, arts, nature, or wellness? If this sounds like you or someone you know, we'd love to hear from you at Can Projects where we advocate that active engagement in positive and creative outlets is beneficial to our health and environment. Our talk show, Can Projects Podcast, reaches 20-plus online platforms and features insightful, inspiring, and expert guests. You can check out the show on our free archives on Spreaker.com and YouTube. We'd love to hear from you, so please feel very welcome to email us at canprojects.info at gmail.com. Help each other. Help us all. You're all very welcome back to the Can Projects podcast. All right, five, four, three, two, and go. 
Okay, welcome back to the Opperman Report. I'm your host, private investigator, Ed Opperman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Opperman Report. Uh, the Can Projects also, too, I know that they have a Twitter, too, as well. And uh, they also have an Instagram, too, as well. Uh, it's just called Can, C.A.N, right, guys? Well, on Twitter, we're under Can Projects 1. And on Instagram, you'll find us at, yeah, C.A.N. Projects. <laughs> Gotcha. And, and what is that website again? Because I know you, you made some adjustments to yeah, it. Yeah, the website where we got to get a proper domain. Sorry, but it, yeah. it, it's as I said, it, it is. It's can projects dot, uh, sorry, can projects info dot wixsite dot com forward slash can projects. So yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful. So generally, we just we throw it a lot of the time. We'll throw out the Gmail as the point of, point of contact if people want to get in touch because it is an outreach project and. Um, you know, whether it's whether it's ideas for shows or people interested in, in, in what we're doing, um, you can contact us at camprojects.info at gmail.com. Um, I was going to ask you something, I forgot what it was. Um, yeah, no, but let's just come at it first. How do you guys get guests? Because like right now, uh, it's it's difficult enough getting guests, but at least now I'm lucky that people contact me. They've heard of the show already. Uh, uh, what do you call those authors and publicists will uh, will contact me for guests? Uh, how do you guys track down these guests? It must take a lot of time, right? Um, a fair amount of fishing, really, isn't it? You know. Yeah, kind of I think it's probably it's probably trying to like <clears throat> meeting new people is probably the main way. Like when we started out, it was kind of like we were doing most of the stuff ourselves, and it was people we knew we had on. And then right. we got to a point where we we're like, okay, we got to we're gonna have to branch out a bit. And we did the gallery. We put a, a astrophotography gallery up on the website. A friend of mine, uh, Cahill Bourne, he does some great amateur astrophotography. And then kind of through that, um, we promoted that around on, on places like LinkedIn and, you know, Twitter. And people started to contact us. They were like, oh, wow, this is great, you know. And actually, funny enough, Cahill, um, he, he, he got on great, actually, now he's he's um. He's 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 been in uh, the uh, Astronomy Ireland uh, uh, magazine and everything, so um, it it definitely went down well. And so kind of from there, we got that's where we got our first. Uh, we got Jack O'Sullivan from Zero Waste in, and from talking to him, that gave us other ideas. Okay, well let's go and look into this circular economy thing, or you know let's focus on the environment a little bit more. And then Twitter was the other one that's another one that definitely is like for i mean i do have to kind of i find myself filtering things a lot on there because it's kind of can be mm. kind of toxic you know <laughs> but uh, and i never really use social media ever ed until um really until this project you know uh so that's been a bit of a you know i, I don't know i think it was probably we wanted to talk about i, I mean it is a holistic holistic subjects we kind of look at and having an insight into even if i didn't haven't used it that much having an insight into social media um was important to put time into that and so we get we get a good few guests kind of from from twitter and stuff but it does take yeah like you said take time to make the contact and put 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 the put the feelers out and do the research then and um a lot of times it comes from looking up topics that we're interested in or that can is kind of interested in. And so, for example, on Human Rights Day, um, I was looking up stuff on Twitter and I came across um, uh, the, the people from the traveler community, which I don't know, maybe Ed, people in America may not have heard much about the, the traveler community, but they're, they're nom nomadic people. And um, in Ireland or uh, gypsies is another name in like in England, the or the Roman community in Europe. And again, they're another ve very marginalized group that gets treated with a lot of racism and hate. And they've had an absolute um, 
nightmare with their mental health. They, they have a they have, they, they have a really uh, it's beyond crisis hmm. point. They have a really high suicide rate in their community, like young men, predominantly. It's like seven times the average, like isn't it? Yeah, and it's something like only one percent of them get to third level education, and <clears> they have a really hard time getting access to services and clean water and all kinds of stuff. So that was one. I was like, I, I saw them. T- they did a they did a protest outside the, uh, the, the the we call it the doll here. What would you call it? Irish Parliament, and um, you know they were they were doing Congress. their bit. Yeah, Congress is it? Is that would that be a Parliament or Congress? Yeah. Or? Um, uh, and they were doing their bit and talking about human rights and stuff. And I was like, wow, they, we should talk to these guys, you know. So it, a lot of the time it's kind of like that. It's like it, 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 the big thing we really advocate, Ed, is like kind of active engagement, you know, being interested in our communities and in what's going on in life. So that means actually going and looking and trying to see, OK, you know, and where are people, people marginalized, where that we can go and help people that it's really going to make a difference, you know, Um with our time because t- how much time we can put into anything is lim- always limited you know mm. so we like to go where we can where our time will be really well spent you know so i think that's probably the they're the rules of thumb really for for guests as far as um you know we have those irish travelers here too in the united states and uh, and they do travel they travel in, in the motorhomes mm. and uh, as a matter of fact it's mostly one family the white family they don't they mostly have the last name white and uh uh, so sometimes they're called the whites, you know, the white travelers. Uh, and but uh, what do you call it? But they have a reputation of doing these home improvement kind of scams, you know, like taking down payments and and uh, doing this stuff like uh, painting tar on people's roofs and saying that they're going to repair their roofs. Uh, so I, I guess it's a different kind of a reputation down here as it is over there in Ireland. Well, that would um, be a stereotype that you would definitely hear, but it's like anything. Right. It's like, you know, because there's just because there's like one like family out there that's like of a certain ethnicity or from a, ra- a certain race or whatever, because like because it suits someone's, uh, you know, paradigm, basically, they, they they tend to tire them all with the same brush. But yeah, you do hear those stories, but you hear those stories in all walks of life. It's just... Mm-hmm. Um, here anyway, what we see is that it's the, the a lot of times tabloid media kind of like sensational headline kind of sellers that is 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 behind it. And like these are people, you know, they they have real lives. Like yeah. it's 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 not fair to just like tar any group of people with just the one brush and just you know. Um, so we kind of like to keep, try and keep an open mind towards that, and we know like that, yeah, like p- people will probably like look at us and kind of maybe go like, why are you, why are you trying to help them? And we're like, what do you mm. mean? What that's that's exactly why we're trying to help them is because of that attitude, actually. And I tell you, because you mentioned they are similar to the gypsies, you know, like uh, which are like Romanians or Ramis, uh, and uh, here in the states, the the bigotry and the racism against the gypsies is so even over the top beyond the, the Irish travelers oh, that yeah. they have they have these TV comedy reality shows called My Big uh, Gypsy Wedding. <laughs> yeah, big got that as well. yeah. Oh my god, and it's it's so uh, uh, just a, such well, a mockery. I think we 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 we, we I mean we, we we've done we've done a show that's in, kind of in the pipeline that we're we're working on a few bits and pieces on it. It's not ready to go out yet, but we, before mm-hmm. we did that. We, we spoke about it on one of our shows. Me and Chris do just shows together on our own as well. We, we're doing it less at the moment, but we do do it. And we do, you know, we've done it a lot as well. That's but um, one thing we got into when we we're talking about this topic is that, you know, <laughs> the last time there was major global events happening, like with war and stuff, 
that they were the communities like you know the people on the margins again that were they're, they're like the canaries in the coal mines so like the minute that like we start to see that stuff happening again we're like really silly not to actually pay attention and and kind of go hey what's going on here because like like i said you know we're all people you know we can't we need to be humane to each other and mm-hmm. to just kind of brush people aside and just be i mean it's really it really upsets me ed actually you know because i was really you know, it's kind of like, you know, in the States, there's the N word, but there's an N word in Ireland as well, you know, and but it's to describe mm. traveler people. And I don't like to repeat it ever, mm. you know, and it makes me sick to my stomach when I do hear when it when I do hear it used. But back to like what we we're saying about, oh, boys will be boys. You know, there was there was there was a lot of there was recent stuff in the news here. Really traumatic stuff for 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 um, like a lot of like attacks, people getting attacked and stuff and um, uh what was it? Um, oh, I lost my train of thought there. Sorry. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of attacks on women there recently, you know, mm. and like in fairly public places. They weren't, you know, and it was pretty awful. Like, yeah, it was pretty like traumatic stuff. But how was I relating that back to the to the to the other stuff? I can't really remember. Um, that was was it like. That that was in the newspaper for weeks and weeks, but um, when a load of travelers burned to death, it was one day in the newspaper. Yeah. Wait, travelers were burned to death. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And oh, it okay. barely I was, hit the I news, and and then again, there was other even in and around the time that really high profile case happened, there were like two deaths of of of, of like uh, I don't know, I think they were gypsy young gypsy kids or whatever that, mm. and that barely hit the news either. Like you know, so. Mm. Well, I mean, after the fire, the next day it was people out going, no, we won't house them here. We don't want them here. Is that Carrick you know, Mines, Chris, even, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Carrick Mines, yeah. You know, the next day they were looking for somewhere to put the people who'd survived and, uh, like, communities were going, no, no, we won't have them. You can't put them yeah. here. Yeah. Even though, what about like, the, the day, even though the day before was considered a national day of mourning, you know? No, no. Yes, uh, what about this, uh, the impact of internet and tech on society? And that's something I talked about quite a bit. Um, what, what did you guys conclude on that? Oh, well, do you know, Ed, I, that, I was, was, that was brilliant to have you on to talk about that as well. And oh, that was me? That, yeah. I, I was, oh, I was yeah. the guest. Oh, you were the guest, yeah. <laughs> and I highly recommend people go and check that out. It was a great show. And unfortunately, Chris was missing that day, but it is something that yeah. we talk about a lot. And definitely, Ed, like listening to you and, and your work definitely um, helped to put it on my radar. And I don't. I don't think we did come to a, a total conclusion on it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have no. I have no solutions for anything. <laughs> for anyone who's interested, for anyone who's interested, they should check out the Ed Opperman report. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyone who's not already listening to it right now on the radio, yeah. go and check it I'm, out. I'm, I'm plugging my own appearance. Right here. <laughs> um, it didn't have my name or my picture on it. I think. Now, what about Nairobi? I know you guys were for a while. They were doing a lot of stuff about Nairobi. What's going on with that? So that was, um, we kind of got in touch with a group over there that do like kind of a recycling kind of project. Mm. And again, that was like, we came across them through Twitter and they were basically going out, this group, uh, Nairobi Recyclers or NARC NGO, they're called. The shows are up on YouTube and on our Spreaker.com. You'll find camp projects on Spreaker.com for any of this stuff or YouTube for free. It's all out there for free. Um, but th- they were posting stuff on from their, they're going out into their community and taking uh, documenting really, really uh, abominable uh, pollution. That's like it's, it's like seriously impacting on people's health and stuff over there. 
and uh, it was actually really shocking. Yeah, like it was really shocking to see that. Like it was very shocking, um, and it really, it really kind of caught my attention. And I was like, you know, we got, we got it. Let's look into this and let's cover this. And we gave it a bit of airtime, and we did a couple of shows with them. And um, it's, it's actually Nairobi's an interesting one as far as the Africa thing because they they did just have that. Um, what was it? The I can't remember what it's called, Chris, but it was like the COP twenty six version. Uh, in Nairobi, yeah, but it was with it was with the US actually. Ed, um, uh, there was I don't know. Did you see that at all? Uh, no. I what, what are you talking about? No. So there's so there's I don't know if you heard of the COP COP twenty six. They had that there in Glasgow. Um, it's like it's like a big kind of it's not it's a european get together to discuss the environment but never to actually do anything really <laughs> that's one way of putting it. but there's an equivalent one anyway that happened a similar thing but with the us and nairobi and um yeah like that was kind of an interesting one because like um you know it's it, there's a kind of community-based outreach stuff that, that that they're they're kind of talking about but when you kind of get into into more kind of um like what's really going on the ground or how do things work out there it's kind of you know it's it's kind of hard to know we're we're on the other side of the planet and but you know if we can at least help raise awareness of of these topics in general then that's definitely something we 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 we, we, we want to do you know um because it's really the plastic thing uh, that's something we cover a lot like plastic is a pandemic and it's going on a lot, lot longer than COVID. And it's like, you know, like all the, 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 the lumps and lumps of plastic that are pulling out of uh, fish and seaboards yeah. and stuff. And a lot of this plastic seems to be ended up ending up in uh, developing countries somehow. <laughs> Funny that. I don't know. We never quite got to the bottom about exactly where all this plastic is actually coming from. But yeah, uh, we're worried about increasing gasoline prices here. We so much oil. Uh, gets diverted into use of plastic just to be thrown away, wrapped around a piece of, uh, you know, carrot. <laughs> thrown away yeah. later on. Just, you know, makes no sense. And, but listen, guys, we're out of time. We only got about a couple of minutes left. So I'd like to give each of you a little bit of time to, to leave us with your final thoughts. We got about the five minutes left. Four minutes, four minutes. Okay, great. Were you going to say something, Chris? No. Oh, well, I was going to jump back to something else um, earlier from earlier. Um, the human waste thing. Like that's a terribly wasted resource because that can be turned into biogas, biodiesel. It can be turned into LPG. You know, like it's something that it shouldn't ever leave the facilities. Every every bit of it should be recycled back into the environment, and that would kind of help with the petrol prices and things in the long run. You know, and that's my big bugbear with ecology. You know. Yeah, yeah, but but as long as it, it interferes with petrol prices, because the oil industry seems to be a uh, the guys in charge, you know, making all the money and making all the rules. Oh, yeah. Now, how, how about they yourself, are... Shane? What, what would you like to leave us with? Uh, I suppose just uh, it's it's, it's uh, great to actually uh, be a guest on your show, Ed, after, you know, being, being helping out uh, over the years mm. in the background. It's a real uh, pleasure and joy to actually be on the air. And hi to the, every, all the upper maniacs out there. I hope you're all <laughs> doing well and you're keeping well and I hope you're all looking out for each other and that's what we really do advocate at Can is that, you know, we should look out for each other and be active in our communities and, you know, make eye contact and smile from time to time at each other and ask people how we are and, you know, we do we what when we say help each other, help us all, we really, really mean that and we mean everybody. We really equality is probably one of the is the is, is this cornerstone, the founding cornerstone of what we're doing. 
and and holistic a holistic attitude and that so that means that means it, you know it, it, we got to take the good with the bad and if we're just concentrating on just the good stuff or just all the bad stuff all the time um you know we, we won't get very far but if we if we focus our energies and, and and keep it balanced i think we can uh make positive changes and and i'm encouraged by the work we're doing and, and meeting people and seeing mm. for all the bad news we hear we're coming across a lot of good news and i think that's probably it's that's that's we got it we got, it's kind of buried you got to seek it out but there, there is lots of good news out there and um, so i would mm. say people let's let's just you know a bit of solidarity with each other and we, we, we will get there i think well, you guys are doing great. A positive energy, uplifting information and uh, uh, concrete uh, steps we could take to improve our lives. C.A.N Projects Podcast is where you could find them on YouTube. So you go to Can Projects Podcast on YouTube and you make sure you subscribe and hit that little bell so you get a notification when new content comes out. I know on Spreaker, you play your shows live on Spreaker on uh, Saturday night, right? Saturday night, 8pm 8, 8 uh, Irish Standard Time. You'll get brand new content going out once a week. And it's pretty varied, but it's, it's, it's all related to the, to the culture, arts, nature and wellness. So you can check us out on Spreaker.com. And thanks again, Edward. It's really a, a, a total joy being on it's here. A, no, thank you, guys. I, no, it really has been a pleasure. I feel uplifted myself already. I'm having a rough week. Uh, we got kind of kicked out of the Miami Film Festival. <laughs> not kicked out not kicked out but we we booked the dates all along and so when we wound up getting down to miami there were no films for us to see we had to turn around and drive back in the rain and we get home and there's no water so it's been a rough couple of days (laughs) and guys and i do feel uh, very uplifted so thank you so much guys good night thanks good night thank you good night And the Can Project's email is canprojects.info at gmail.com. And you'll find a link to the Can Project's website in the description. All the best. Welcome to the Calm Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature and wellness. And today we've got a super, super interesting and exciting show and very inspiring, actually, because um, we've got a great guest in today, hmm. uh, Ed Opperman, who is a private investigator and uh, a digital forensics expert and uh, a talk radio uh, show host um, who covers true crime. So anybody who's interested in, in in true crime stories that hasn't already heard of ed you, this is he's you well, probably should have <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah he's um he's worked on a lot of um fairly high profile stuff that a lot of you know a lot of people definitely would have heard of and we'll, we'll probably get into that a little bit um but i'm going to he's he's with us in audio land i'm gonna 
briefly show his website here before we invite him on. And that's OpermanReport.com. That's Ed. Um, but probably the best place to check him out is on his Patreon. And he's a guy that's really worth supporting, guys. Okay. He does a lot of good work. Really, really good work. Yeah. Um, he's a real champion, actually, for um, for the vulnerable, I would say. Um, and we'll get into that with him now. Ed, are you there? Yes, Shane, I am here. Thank you so much for inviting me on your, your podcast here. And, thanks, uh, you Ed. Too, Chris. Thank you. Oh, you're very, very welcome. And um, thanks for coming on. How's things? Oh, things are good. You know, I'm chugging along here, you know. <laughs> we, we never give up. Uh, we've been having some record uh, uh, numbers on, on the podcast playing the repeats each night. So, so thank God for that. Okay. Uh, the, the audience seems to be growing each day. So God bless that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, and you know, um, I just was saying there, you know, you, you, you've really done some incredible work and it is great that people are getting to, more people are getting to hear it. And um, I, me personally, now, I, I was really inspired by your work um, just because you really helped to give a voice uh, to people. To that, the voiceless. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Shane. And, you know, and the thing is, you know, it, it really is both of our work. You've been a part of this work for many, many years, uh, helping produce the show. And I can't thank you enough for all the work you've done behind the scenes without any kind of uh, uh, recognition, uh, very little at least. I, usually I pronounce your name wrong when I do give you some kind of recognition. I call you Sean. Uh, <laughs> most, people, most people do. It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but thank you so much. And Shane is a huge part of the program. He's helped me so much over the years. And, and we can't thank you enough, Shane. Oh, well, thanks, Ed. And, um, you know, I remember the first um, the first couple of shows that I, I did the audio enhancements for you on. Um, had a really big impact on me. I've been listening to to you a bit anyway, and um, it's fair to say that like some of this stuff is pretty heavy and um, you know, kind of it, it, it is an intense kind of subject. But when I realised what you were doing and how you were helping people and people, victims and survivors and um, the vulnerable, as we said, I just I could I couldn't but not help you, you know. Mm. Um, it, and and it, it was really good for me too. Actually, it really um, it was a really very very positive influence in my life, big time. Um, so we're delighted now. Now it's kind of it's actually four years or so, Ed, isn't it? Like uh, that, it's be coming up to the anniversary now next November when we got on that that first radio station. Um, what was it? KYAH, KYAH in Utah, I think. Yeah, KYAH in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, like, what? What, what's what's the reach like these days? So well, like 100, on AMF, 150, 150 stations, no, 150 cities. Oh, uh, wow. We're doing pretty good. Yeah, we got a nice little coverage there in uh, in Utah, which is on the uh, west coast of the United States. Uh, um, and then we have uh, Nevada, a nice coverage in Nevada, and then we have California, uh, and then we have um, uh, Florida, and which is our new um, stronghold. We're trying to really make a, a difference here in Florida. Right. We're on the west coast of Florida in the Tampa Bay area on WWPR 1490 at 10 p.m. And then on the east coast, we cover all the way from uh, um, Miami all the way up to West Palm Beach where the Mar-a-Lago and Mr. Trump sits there on his throne uh, listening to our show at, uh, each night at 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Taking notes, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Taking names and kicking ass. Is that what I already yeah. say? <laughs> yeah. oh, we God. could just be chewing bubblegum, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, 
Well, that's great. I'm really it's great to see the show going so well now. And and how how are things actually over there in the US now since the change in offices? The are have, are are people kind of less polarized now, or is it kind of bit too same old, say, same maybe. old? That's a good question, man. You know, uh, the whole Trump thing was so polarizing. I don't think it's let up that much. I think the people that are dug in on the whole Trump uh, fascism, you know, are, are really entrenched in that. And they're, they're digging their heels in. Uh, they, they no longer believe in any kind of news that doesn't support their beliefs in Trump and Trumpism. And they're just dug in. You well, know, that is essentially uh, the definition of fascism is that people are not open to other ideas. They just think, no, my way is the only way. That seems to be what's going mm. on. Yeah. And then you have Biden, which, you know, is really no prize <laughs> for anything that I, I want to see happen in this country. You know, he's just a, a watered down there's, version of the there's, Republican there's, Party. There's yeah. an old Marx Brothers quote about anyone who wants to be in politics probably shouldn't be in politics. <laughs> yeah, that, that is kind of true, you know, but I, but I got to mm. tell you, though, um, I, I am encouraged uh, Back in Nevada, um, we I guess we went on the radio in Nevada about three years ago, uh, Shane. Mm. And uh, all the people I started out having on the show early on in Nevada, the local activists, are the people right now that run the Democratic Party in Nevada. Um, we Card-carrying socialists right now run the Democratic Party in Nevada. Friends of mine, friends of the show, people who I hung out with. Uh, so we, and, and we got in 2016, uh, Hillary Clinton totally ripped us off. She stole our votes at the caucus and the primary there in Nevada. And all of our people were so frustrated. All we could do was go down to the Democratic headquarters and protest an empty building. It was like a Saturday afternoon. Just yell at an empty building. Like, like, <laughs> like a bunch of, and, and we took our chalk and we wrote nasty words on the sidewalk in the chalk. And here we are now uh, in 2022. And we have the keys to that building. We control that building. Uh, so much so that when the hacks, the Democratic Party hacks, left that building, uh, they deleted everything on their computers. They didn't want us to have the information. Did they leave the chalk marks? The once a year rain in the Vatican and washed it away. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you should you should preserve it as um, you know culturally you know significant. <laughs> I'm sure there are some pictures of it. I'm, I'm sure there are. Yeah. Yeah, and Ed, like I, I know, I, I know that's something I've heard you speak about a lot. Actually, is about how, like, before maybe in 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 your youth and stuff, and in the yippies and stuff, you you were an anarchist for a while, but you're you're not, you're you're far from that now. I would say, and you you've 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 now come to a realization and a point where you know it is important to be in, interested and and have a say, and be part of the conversation as far as politics or or social issues. Yeah, even as an anarchist, you know, uh, we weren't quiet. We didn't sit behind, the, you know, and uh, totally ignore politics. We we protested both the Democrats and the Republicans, and um, uh, forcefully, you know, to, uh, taking over the streets, shutting streets down, shutting down Wall Street. Uh, so, but you know, as a young kid, you know, I, I learned about the military-industrial complex, about fascism, about the, uh, the the evils of capitalism. And the first thing I was taught was, well, the thing to do is become an anarchist. So I said, well, okay, <laughs> let's eat the rich. Let's, let's take over the streets, you know. And, uh, but, but as time goes on, you know, I think I've uh, mellowed a bit. And now I'm a socialist and I believe in the uh, worker control of the, the means of production. And uh, that's where I am now. Yeah, and I'd agree with you there as well. That exploitation is really not like sustainable. I don't think. No, no. I, would, I would say so. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless we all, <laughs> unless we're all going to go down the cannibal route, like. Yeah. 
The only alternative is they, they put us in, in slave labor camps is the only uh, the next yeah. uh, stage of uh, end capitalism. Yeah. Uh, so let's see what happens. Yeah, exactly. It's and actually feasible at this stage that that might happen. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say, but you're right. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, it's on the radar for sure. And Ed, yeah, like, cool. um, like for, 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 for people who may not have come across your work before, you've worked on some pretty high fo- profile cases, haven't you? Yeah, uh, both uh, in the public and not in the public. Um, I've done a lot of stuff, you know, that I can't talk about uh, that that I'm really proud of. A lot of high profile stuff, uh, but then also too, you know, you get these deals like with the Tiger Woods case. I did all the cell phone forensics in the Tiger Woods case in order to identify women that actually were uh, Tiger Woods mistresses or were not, and I got into that because of uh, my agent Gina Rodriguez was the agent for the mistresses. And that was a project that took on uh, for publicity, you know, to get my name out there in the press and to, to drum up business. Right. Um, uh, Ashton Kutcher, we did an Ashton Kutcher infidelity case. That was another one that was for the media in order to, to get publicity. Um, I was involved in um, a, an investigation into Sarah Palin and Todd Palin, uh, where my client uh, was um, a, a massage therapist over there in um, Alaska uh, who was having an affair with Todd Palin. And uh, actually being sent other customers and, and people to uh, be intimate with on behalf of Todd Palin and, and to document the activity and, mm-hmm. and provide that information to the panels for them to do what the, the, they would do with it. I doubt they were um, actual massage therapists, though. <laughs> well, you know, she was a Craigslist a massage therapist. Yeah, because you, know? yeah. uh, <laughs> no you, you, don't, you don't want to tire us all with the same brush. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Chris, well, is a, well, Chris is a real mas- massage therapist, actually. Yeah. Well, 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 she wasn't any kind of therapist. That's no, I don't. Know. <laughs> she was giving massages okay. Uh, okay. up in Anchorage, Alaska. And that culminated in, in a congressional investigation into Secret Service misbehavior. And uh, also, too, in, in Sarah Palin declining to, to run for president in 2012, uh, which she uh, attributed to um, people accusing her husband of having uh, infidelity. And she declared that on the same day that all the evidence uh, from that case uh, arrived from the the Alaska Police Department into my uh, mailbox in, in Nevada. Yeah. So, I mean, aside from the the, the that, that kind of higher profile stuff, I know that, or at least from, from what I know, that a big focus of your work does seem to be a good works is what you tend to focus on, um, whether that's um, in your professional life or um, actually just dealing with people. You seem to be kind of... Um, very interested in helping people. Yeah, I got to say, yeah, you're right. Um, growing up, you know, I grew up in the Bronx, uh, New York, which was a poor area. Mm. Um, we were on the wrong side of justice and, and uh, equality. Uh, we're getting a short end of the stick. Mm. Uh, growing up o- over the years, I've, I've managed to acquire some skills and experience and context. And uh, if you have this, there's no reason why you can't use that for good uh, as well as profiting yourself and, and trying to make a living for yourself. You can do both. Um, and I think that, uh, especially now that I have this microphone and this reach out there to the audience, that uh, uh, it's only right to, to use that for good and to help people that are in trouble, people that are victims of police violence or injustice, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, and shine some light on that. You know? and, and we've done some good work. That whole case up there with the, um, uh, what's his name? Gordon, I forget his name. Uh, the guy there in Scotland with the whole case there with the, the Celtic uh, boys club there, the soccer team. Uh, oh, yeah, so, yeah. the news recently, wasn't it? 
Yes, man. We yeah. you know, the, the case was dormant for forty five years. We yeah. had this guy on our show, hmm. and and they arrest the guy. They arrest the head of the, the school there. So you know we we see the results. Why not keep doing it? Why not? Absolutely, Ed. And and yeah. you know what? Like you know, like for, for me, like I'm here on the on, on the other side of the world, and for me to be able to help you who's who's you know we're all people and we all live on the same planet like so it's no difference to me well are you in india or are you in the states or where are you it doesn't if i can help i'm gonna help and but the fact that that was kind of it was like it was like i'm helping this guy over here in the states but yeah he's doing work that's helping my neighbors so i thought that was just actually um i was thrilled to hear that actually to be honest um yeah, and, and there's the, we're no shortage. We need help. There's no shortage. You know, we can all help. Uh, we can all work together. You know, and uh, yeah. it just that's, seems that's, that's that's kind of our tagline: is help us help help each other, help us all. Like you know, yeah, and and exactly, and here, and here we have you know mm-hmm. the birth of, of your podcast, this uh, uh, caring network, you know, of uh, wellness and all this kind of stuff. That, that's great stuff, man. We can, it, it, you know, we we see the fruit. We see the fruit. Yeah, uh, of our labor and, and our and our efforts here. Yeah, absolutely, and it's really encouraging. And you know, something I wanted to ask you a little bit about as well. Actually, is um, you do you need that encouragement and and results because it's it's it the 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 the, the material is is quite heavy and stressful. So I, I'd love to ask you, you know, like how do you actually kind of manage to stay motivated all the time? I know you, I know we, none of us can stay motivated all the time, but it, like. I know you're, we get into other, other areas and stuff, and I know your faith is a big part of it and stuff, but as far as actually just kind of being able to cope, like, yeah, because I know that, I know it has been tough on you. Yeah, yeah, and, and sometimes it's, it's much harder than other times. Um, I remember back when I had on um, the gentleman, uh, uh, Cliven Doyle, who was the, um, was burned. Uh, at, Third degree burns, and he lost his daughter in the Waco fire. And I had him on my show for two hours telling that story. And at the same time, I was dealing with that story, which is traumatic. My own daughter was about 17 years old at the time, 16 years old. And at the same time, I was dealing with the situation uh, with this uh, young woman who was uh, being held kidnapped, held prisoner by her boyfriend at this uh, extended stay motel here in Las Vegas and trying to get her and, and, and extract her from that situation where she was sitting in the corner of my apartment that curled up like a ball crying, uh, telling me about suicide attempts when she was nine years old. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, you know, uh, a lot of this stuff, I did, and the whole thing, you know, you've heard the story about Maddie, uh, who was being a victim of sex, uh, of a mental illness and, and drug addiction and sex trafficking and human trafficking, mm-hmm. where every time she came into contact with the police, this poor girl, 85 pounds, you know, uh, you're 23 years old, beautiful young girl. But anytime she came into contact with the police, they would arrest her instead of trying to help her. Hmm. And tragically, you know, her life. And, you know, we got her off the street. I found her. You know, we got her off the street. We got her to her father down there in Arizona. Uh, and, but the, the addictions were so strong. And ultimately, she wound up uh, uh, with a 70-year-old guy she met on uh, AshleyMadison.com, one of these dating sites. And she wound up in the middle of the night out of the gun range. Oh uh, with this character, you know, and uh, somehow she got a hand, hand on a gun and, and wound up shooting herself in the head accidentally. Oh um, and so, you know, all this stuff is traumatic. All this stuff is uh, takes a toll on you. Um, but when you're in the middle of it, you know, you're saying, boy, I'm helping this person. 
You know, like Maddie would have died in the streets of uh, Las Vegas. When I picked her up the last time, she was covered in filth, had just been hit by a car, and was out of her mind on, on a meth- methamphetamine. Uh, so she would have been dead there in the streets, you know, but we got her a few months at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, it, all that stuff is really tough, you know? Yeah. And I, I guess I'm kind of built for it in certain ways. You know, once you've been through so much trauma yourself in your life, you've been exposed to this so much, you can kind of deal with it. Yeah. Uh, but then every now and then something comes along that's, that's, that's exciting and, and encouraging and, and you're getting some results out of it and, and you, you feel good, you know, or, or even can stroke my own ego, like my whole involvement with the, the Epstein uh, case and, and the, the lawsuit against Trump and Epstein and, 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 you know, my reporting on Epstein, which I've gotten a lot of recognition for. Yeah, well, international yeah. recognition, Ed, isn't, isn't, isn't that fair to say? You were covering, it is Ep- fair. You were covering that probably before anyone. I, it, it's fair to say. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Fair. I like more recognition for the work I did on that. But yeah, you know, when I, when everything went public, you know, like a flip, a, a switch was flipped, and everybody was talking about. It. I was contacted by the BBC and all over, like you said, all over the world. Yeah, you were on the BBC uh, the day that he died, Epstein. Was it okay? I, I know I yeah. was on the BBC. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was either the day or the day after. I think it was the day that happened, though. Uh, if I remember, what was it? It's like the 10th or the 11th of August. I always get those two dates mixed up. It was one of, oh, I don't remember. I think it was the 11th. I remember. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I had no idea, though, that you were working on that. So, um, I, oh, I, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had no idea. I, I heard, I heard, I heard uh, on, on air, just like everyone else. That's right, because yeah. when I was hired on that case, I couldn't talk about it. I signed the, the most uh, tight NDA I've ever signed in my life. And I wasn't allowed to talk about it at all. And it was so fresh. I was still allowed to talk about the case, but not what I was doing on the case or that I was hired to work on the case. And so I would be so frustrated and people would be arguing with me. On, and I'd want to say, it's my case. <laughs> You're telling me what's going on in my case. But everyone, I kept it a secret. I dropped a lot of hints, uh, but I kept it a secret from everybody. And, and uh, everyone found out at the same time. Yeah, and then it kind of things kind of did start to make a lot more sense to the audience. They're like, "Oh, right, so that's why you're kind of a bit stressed." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. 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 yeah, that was a stressful time for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, strange times. All right. So yeah, and there's there's a, a story I've heard you t- t- just in relation to all this kind of stuff about being motivated and stuff like that. I've heard you say before about how when you know you have something big coming up, whether it's something to do at work or it's like it's something in your life or whatever, you really like to kind of prepare and to train almost like a boxer and really get in shape and stuff and really just so you're 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 hundred percent, you know, and all cylinders are are, are firing. How does how does that kind of work? Like, do you have a, a, a kind of a particular modes or things you do? I know you cycle a lot and swim and things like that. Well, right now I'm really well. Not out of now, shape sorry. I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I tore my bicep. You know, when I moved to Florida a year and a half ago, and uh, so and and now we have twenty thousand people in the hospital down here in Florida with COVID. So you can't even uh, schedule surgery. Oh uh, even though I finally got some insurance, but yeah, ever since I was a kid. I was always into boxing, and, uh, and I told a story, too, about how when we would walk by, coming home from school, there was a little boxing gym, and we would go in there, and, you know, at, at first, we would go in there and run around and hit the bags and stuff like that, and then just run away, and uh, one day, the guys who uh, coached at the gym and trained at the gym stopped us and says, hey, listen, you know, if you want to come in here and be serious, you know, we'll train you, we'll teach you, just, but, you know, you can't come in here running around acting stupid, we're not going to put up with that. That was in the Bronx, Ed, was it? So that, that was almost like a community community outreach, probably, was it? Or 
two degrees. Oh, no, this, no, oh. this was a serious, no, this was an adult boxing okay. gym for adult boxers where they trained, where mafia guys would be in there and stuff and smoking while these guys are training. Okay. And it was right okay, next to okay. a strip club. Did, yeah, did, did, they, did they have cows hanging on hooks for you? Or? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, hanging on hooks? Cows, you know, for, for boxing, like Rocky style. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Oh no! Not cows! No, 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 no! Not cows! Not cows! <laughs> not cows! But they had, you know, heavy bags and stuff like that, and, yeah. and the speed bags and things like and jump ropes. You know, we would grab. But so yeah, so uh, I was always into that. And as, as a kid, if I'm, I had a fight coming up, I was going to fight some kid. You know, I was trying to date my girl from that. <laughs> I'm not going to let him do that. Mm-hmm. I would train for that, and and I always applied that, uh, like you said to big events in my life. When my daughter was being born, I trained for nine months. And, and again, too, at that time, again, with a lot of prayer and fasting as well, my spiritual training on top of that. Um, when I was facing prison, you know, I, I trained for that um, for you know, like a year and a half. Um, all these different kinds of things. And, and with the Epstein case, too, when, that, when, I, when they came to me and said, hey, we want to hire you for this case, this is okay. I'm going to take this seriously. I want my head to be clear. And what I do now as, as an adult is when I'm getting ready for something like that, I'll do the Daniel fast, uh, which is a fast from the Bible, from the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. And uh, where uh, for 21 days, you give up all meat, alcohol, caffeine, sugar, uh, just fruits, vegetable, uh, fruits, uh, vegetables, nuts, beans, lagoons, uh, and, and water, you know, Spartan lifestyle. And you mm. do that for 21 days. It cleans you out. It's, it's, it strengthens you. You feel stronger. And it also it cleans out all the uh, the addictions to alcohol and caffeine and uh, and sugar. And sugar is good... sugar is one I've heard you speak about. We were talking about um, you start to get headaches and stuff, and um, it's like people don't kind of I think maybe don't realize how hooked they are on sugar actually. Oh yeah, especially people around the world have no idea how much sugar we eat here in the United States. It's just insane. Mm. Oh um, yeah, no, I've, see- I've seen that. <laughs> I've 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 been to the states a few times now, and uh, like even the bread tastes like sugar to me. <laughs> it's so because tr- there's sugar in it. There's sugar in ketchup. There's sugar in everything. And you'll see these guys at the the plate, you know, at the gas station in the morning because you know we have a snack, a uh, little supermarket attached to our gas stations mm. over here. And you'll see a guy go up to that soda machine with a big giant, like a bucket almost. They like his cup is a bucket. <laughs> he fills it to the top with soda. He's drinking soda uh, all morning along. Uh, so yeah, so it, it's sugar is the worst thing you could do to yourself. I think it's even worse than uh, alcohol and coffee and cigarettes and stuff. Well, you know, we're programmed to crave it. Like the, exactly, the, you know, the old caveman brain wants us to uh, get the sugar in because it's energy. You know, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, and I mean, we're on the subject of food. So I did want to ask you um, a little bit about veganism, because I know that's something that you do like to talk about. And you, how long have you been a vegan, Ed? I guess it's about six or seven years now. All right. Um, okay. And again, I started with the Daniel Fast. And I would just continue the Daniel Fast on uh, longer and longer. And I've done it for, I guess, as long as four and a half, five months. Wow. Uh, just the, yeah, fruits and nuts. And you feel great. I love it. I, I wish I was doing it. I am kind of doing it right now because I got sick uh, about a week ago and I made a lot of soup for myself and I've been eating really good. I, although I'm drinking coffee. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I've started out with the Daniel Fast and then we eased into vegetarianism, me and my daughter, when she was about 13 years old. So it's been a long time. And um, 
then we just uh, it, we were so, once you detox from that meat and that blood and that flesh, uh, it just changes your thinking. It changes your, your way of life. But when you get off of that milk and that cheese and those eggs, man, that's a whole nother. Mm. Uh, it just changes your thinking as well as your, your physical health. And, yeah, uh, I'm, kind, I, I'm, I'm kind of edging towards it. Like I'm not too like my appetite's a little bit funny, and so I kind of I kind of have to be a little bit gentle. But I'm I've, I've I've like I'm not eating things like ham really anymore. Like I don't I very rarely feel like eating beef. I'm I'm eating more fish now than, um. But generally, I just I've cut out like you know processed stuff. Like that's usually a bit of a winner. Just get that stuff out of your diet to start with. I think is usually um. But the, yeah, the idea of cutting I re, I cut way back on milk and cheese mm-hmm. as well. I actually found out that um, my cholesterol was a bit high and the nurse was saying to me, she was like, oh, well, because I was like, oh, well, why? Like, and she was like, well, do you lot eat, 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 eat much cheese? And I was like, um, why? Is that a problem? <laughs> I had no idea. She was like, yeah, you should, like, you should only eat like the tiniest piece of cheese. Like, you know, and I was like, oh, OK, so I'll cut that out then. And uh, that alone did make a big difference. But I am kind of, I'm kind of interested to see what might happen if I do kind of go a bit further on it. And like for me, it's the topic of, I mean, the militant veganism thing I'm not really into, but I'm really into sustainability. So, and I have a lot of respect for people who are vegan because I don't think it's everybody that, well, maybe we are all able to do it, but we're not all able to get there. And um, so, yeah, from the, from from the standpoint of, um, sustainability and anti-exploitation i think it's actually like a really good thing i think it's a little bit unfortunate actually that the the, the conversation has kind of been, been been kind of skewed a little bit away from the sustainability so true because uh, the, the the beef industry is unsustainable you know as the rest of the world wants to try and uh, keep up with our consumption of beef it's just impossible yeah but when you think about it right just stop and think man how did this come about um around the world, uh, that uh, we drink so much milk and cheese and beef that there has to be a dairy farm within a day's drive between the dairy farm and the supermarket in every little town, every little... How is that possible that uh, somehow there's this demand for this milk that, and it's just so available everywhere because it's coming out of cows. you got to have a cow nearby. Mm. <laughs> you got to yeah. feed that cow. You know, you got you know, to bathe that cow. You got to water that cow. You got to raise that cow. You got to inseminate that. It's a big, big, big operation. Yeah. And I can only think it's part of the, uh, the organized control of society. It's just one of those things that's used to keep us lazy and fat and, uh, and uh, uh, unclear-headed. Uh, as you would be if you could just get away from all that blood and flesh and, and yeah. yuck milk and all this yeah. animal product. Yeah, well, um, it's kind of interesting. It's something I need to read up on a little bit more, but I was chatting to someone about it and they brought up the point that in Ireland, um, and Chris, you might be able to help me out with this, is um, um, what was the deal with the tenant farmers and things like that where um, when they wanted to move people off the land for cattle, basically, um, we we were given these like tiny living spaces to live in. And there was, we were basically, before that happened, we were really more so, more of an agricultural uh, nation. And then we moved over to the, to the, to the, to the beef. Industrial. Yeah, the industrial side of it. What was that, Chris? What was the story with that? Like, when? when, Um, You see, originally tenant farmers gave up a percentage of their crop as rent. Because money wasn't easily accessible for them. Like everything was on barter. Money was for rich people. Poor people traded in what they had for what they wanted. 
And then the, the landlords couldn't just kick them off. So what they said was, we only accept money now. We're not accepting crops. And the exchange rates were so bad that instead of giving up like 10%, they were giving up 60%. And it was untenable for them to live like that. So they migrated towards cities where they could get you know manufacturing jobs and things and live in like... 17 people to a room kind of situations and things in the yeah. tenements. So there is a hit, like it's a history of mm. e- exploitation and basically yeah. uh, someone in, in from a, from a, from a p- place of privilege, basically um, just holding on to that and hoarding what they have and yeah. with, 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 with total disregard for their, for their, for their brothers and sisters. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So now you're saying this is in Ireland. This was this. That's the history of Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That was. So you guys are from Ireland. I couldn't tell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, we didn't say top of the morning, so I mean, that would have been the first clue. (laughs) Or anything about lucky charms, right? (laughs) Yeah. I got a a few on the wall here. All right, yeah. A few lucky charms. Uh, I think we're talking about the cereal now. (laughs) top of the morning full Irish breakfast no. well that's all Americans know about uh, yeah. the rest of the world you know, we hey well not anymore now with Biden in office yeah it's like it's now it's the new the new thing to, to say how great it is to be Irish over there is it oh, that's no that's been going on for a long time John no I know but Biden is kind of milking it now it seems a bit oh late. yeah <laughs> yeah sure um, like the, the people still talk about JFK's visit to Ireland back in the day. Um, like in Wexford, there's the JFK Memorial Arboretum and there's the JFK Park and, you know, um, the local pubs where he visited his family from, you know, whatever, have all have posters and pictures of JFK up, you know. So Ed, what were, what were, what were you t- we touched on um, your faith there and I know you're like deeply faithful guy and um yeah. something i love to actually hear you speak about because like i'm not i'm not really a religious guy but i'm I, I, I i'm i'm interested in religion and spirituality and um just because i'm not necessarily religious doesn't mean i don't pray because i do pray and um i think that's actually very uh, it's a good thing to do um but I'm 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 interested to know how has what, what what kind of influence has that had on your work actually, and how does that fit together and 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 fit fit with the whole thing? Like, is there has there been many has there been many things you can point to where you kind of go, yeah, my faith really had an impact on this, or where you felt I don't know. I know I know you've often he- heard you speak about how you feel kind of supported by. Yeah. I, I, I would say that the main thing is um, uh, it really does um, diminish your, your fear, you know, of, of uh, things on earth. Um, like, what can they really do to you? You know, you know everyone's going to die sooner or later, right? And, uh, and I'm confident that, uh, you know, it, according to the Bible, absent with the body, present with the Father. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, I, I believe uh, my salvation is, uh, is secure. Um, so there's that. Um, also, too, there's also the whole thing of just doing the right thing as opposed to doing the wrong thing. Because when, when you're in the PI business, a lot of people come to you and try and get you to commit crimes for them or try to lure you into getting involved in all kind of criminal activity and stuff. And to, so just have that baseline where you, know, you can say, well, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to do that for you mm-hmm. um, based on your own personal morals and uh, convictions. Uh, so And uh, also, too, uh, just kind of the supernatural aspect to it, you know, like um, looking for little signs and clues and synchronicity 
and God's blessings in your life and, uh, and relying on that. And it kind of gives you that confidence that, hey, you're on the right path, you're doing the right thing. Because, you know, they say that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. And I, I believe that. And if you're on the right track, you're doing the right thing. Your steps will be ordered. You'll be walking in the right direction. And um, all the good things planned out for you will, will be there for you. Yeah, I, could, I, I would tend to agree with that, actually. Um, yeah. I mean, it might not always feel like that, but definitely I do feel that when you kind of, if you're out there doing good works, you, you start to see traction big time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, big time. So I suppose we could talk a little bit about um, your journey then, if you don't mind that, from, from what, from like, well, actually, you know, I should ask, like, what, what, well, two things I'm going to ask is what, how, what got you interested in radio and what got you uh, interested in the PI business? Suppose we could start with the PI uh, side. I actually have a question there. Like, how, many, I... trench, how many trench coats and fedoras do you need, <laughs> really? Like, you, know. you know what, man? Let me tell you something. If I could pull off a fedora, I would wear it. I, I, I cannot wear hats for some reason. I would love to wear a cowboy hat when I first moved to Nevada. I, I, you know, I would try on these damn cowboy hats. I look like an idiot with my ears sticking out. Same thing with a fedora. I can't pull off a fedora or a cowboy hat. I just don't have the right head for it. I wish I could. I, I actually have the same problem. I can't wear hats. I, I can see that. I, I bet, yeah. yeah. And uh, like everyone I know who used to wear hats all the time has gone bald. So, I mean, maybe I looked out there. That's, that's a good point, too, yeah. Well, I tell you, PI work. Okay. Um, I guess um, technically the way I got involved in PI work is that I had access to phone company information. I had a friend who worked the phone company uh, back in the 70s. And um, if I would give him an unlisted phone number, he could come back to me with a printout uh, from the phone company of the guy's name, address, his work phone number, sometimes his social security number. His, um, a lot of, even sometimes his bank account number you can get at the top of that uh, phone company uh, report. Uh, but also, too, you can get a copy of all his long-distance calls and also, too, the, the, the local usage calls, which are calls, a list of every phone call the guy made um, outside of his telephone exchange, uh, the, the first three digits of the, of the phone number. Um, so that was incredibly valuable information. And I, I recognized that right away. And so, so you were right. I, you were right at the beginning of all of that, really, in some ways, like way before the internet, um, and the, it was kind of there hadn't been a, a lot of precedent set, I suppose, uh, legally. Oh no, yeah. Oh, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, you didn't have to worry about those kind of. Uh, it, it was wide open back in those days. As a matter of fact, you could even get credit reports back in those days legally, as long as you were contemplating litigation against somebody, you could run their credit report without their permission. Um, so. But, but the, that phone company information, like you said, was invaluable. And uh, I had already met uh, with a private investigator because my attorney had sent me to meet with this PI for some help running plates and things I needed to um, satisfy my, my personal business matters. And as soon as I walked into his office, uh, it was this old guy who was in Brooklyn, in his little office in Brooklyn, and he had this little pencil mustache, you know, this old Italian guy. And he's wearing a shoulder holster and he had a shotgun propped up in the corner. And uh, all these uh, certificates and diplomas covered his entire wall everywhere. Handwriting expert, fingerprint expert, ballistics expert, all this kind of stuff. And I says, whoa. I says, man, I would love to have an office like this one day. <laughs> this is right up my alley. I would love this. And he turned out to be a, an organized crime uh, investigator working for the defense for organized crime cases. And uh, so when I told him that I can get this telephone company information, 
Uh, he let me work out of his office to sell this information to his clients, and we were making a fortune there. And that's how I got to meet all the big lawyers and all the big investigators and all the big collection agencies and bounty hunters in New York City at a very young age. Um, and uh, that's how I got my start with that. And uh, then it was just, uh, and you're right, this is before the internet, before computers. And uh, so everything was in your Rolodex. You would make contacts. You'd meet somebody who worked at the DMV, you know, and you'd say, hey, man, you know, can you get me this information? I can sell it for you. And so you'd make all these contacts out there in the street. And your Rolodex was everything you had. And so for a young guy, you know, like guys my age, you know, they got a whole lifetime of connections, this kind of stuff like that. But for a guy 18, 19 years old to be making those kind of connections was just your whole life ahead of you was just set there for you. Because I still talk to some of those people that uh, I was dealing with back when I was 18, 19 years old. And it was my experience, too, like you said, with the yippies and uh, counter-government agitators and activists. And our exposure to like COINTELPRO and FBI surveillance, I was just used to all this. I was used to I had a, was a savvy guy when it came to all this stuff. It didn't didn't intimidate me. I wasn't afraid of it. Uh, so I was uh, able to just um, uh, make my way through this this world of intrigue and, uh, and skullduggery, you know, and uh, all that kind of stuff. I was just made for it, you know. And uh, it got to to the point where I just had so much experience. That uh, it came to the point where people would come to me with their problems and due to my life's experience, I could solve their problems for them, which is what I do now. People come to me with their problems, whatever it is, blackmail, extortion, whatever their problem they have, criminal case, uh, infidelity, um, some kind of litigation, whatever it is. I just have enough experience in life that I can help them with their problems. Kind of a gun for hire. Opposition. I'm getting into a lot now of opposition research and political cases too, oh, that's uh, which is a whole. Yeah, and, and that's something that uh, I wish I had. Uh, I've been sick, and you know, I turned down a bunch of jobs the past couple of months. I've been sick, so that's how I got into the whole PI stuff. You know, um, just I was just a natural fit for it. I was just groomed for it uh, my whole life. Now the radio show stuff. Now that's fascinating because I guess it was around the time uh, with the Tiger Woods case. I, I got a lot of media exposure for Tiger Woods. And I did all the cell phone forensics of the Tiger Woods mistresses to prove who was a mistress and who wasn't so that they could sell their stories to the media. So I, I became in, in contact with a lot of tabloids uh, who were contacting me off the record because back then no one was doing cell phone forensics. I was at the birth of it. And uh, so they would contact me. Hey, can you get this from a phone? Can you do that? And I would say, don't advise them for free. I was giving all this advice for free. And I started doing media interviews on the radio and some TV stuff. I was on Nightline in 2020, uh, Dr. Drew's Life Changes, a lot of stuff like that. And um, so I said, boy, this is so easy. It's so easy <laughs> to, to do these radio interviews. I says, I should do a, write a book. I'll write a book. And uh, then I'll just do these interviews and I'll make a living selling a book. I'll just, I can laugh and make jokes on the radio. It'll be so much fun. Uh, little did I know. And uh, so I had written a book once before, uh, back in the days of the first digital uh, uh, download books on the internet, like in the late 90s, about the PI work and stuff like that. And it was very, very popular. I sold a lot of copies of it. So I went and I took that and I updated it uh, with some personal stuff. And I wrote the book, How to Become a Successful Private Investigator. Yeah, I'm going to stick and, that uh, in the show notes, Ed, so people can find that. It's on Amazon, actually, if anybody want to find, wants to find it. It's a great book. I have a copy here. It's brilliant. Yeah, check out the reviews, man. It, 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 people really appreciate that book because most PI books, all they talk about is surveillance. And, and my stuff gets into the real nitty gritty of uh, uh, databases and, uh, and, and real stuff, how to do background checks, all that kind of stuff. Um, the important stuff that people need to know um, that they really don't teach anywhere. 
You just got to work for somebody to learn that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, so what happened was I wrote the book and I had done a bunch of interviews. Like we were talking off the air of Revolution Radio, freedomflips.com, this wacky conspiracy theory, UFO, end of the world radio station. And I had done a few interviews over there and they came to me and they said, hey, uh, you know, why don't you do a show? Because I would do those round tables and stuff. I'd call in. And uh, this one host would egg me on every uh, Saturday night and start talking about me. And then I'd have to call in to <laughs> kind of yell at him. <laughs> you know? And uh, I'd come straight from taking my daughter to basketball practice. And I'd come home. I'd have a couple of beers. This guy'd be talking about me. I'd, be like, I'd have to call up and scream at him. <laughs> but, anyway, <laughs> but anyway. So they said, why don't you they offered you a job then, so, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I wouldn't be screaming into their phone all the time. So they put me on a Thursday mornings, and the first show I did was West Memphis 3, and it got like 40,000 hits. We had all these people. The chat room was packed, and they had never seen this before. So they gave me a show. I think it was uh, Friday nights. They gave me a show Friday nights and uh, just took over. But the station was so crazy that I knew right away. I says, you know what, man? This ain't going to last. This guy's nuts. Uh, the guy that ran the station, this alcoholic uh, guy, and uh, who, who passed away since then. Hmm. And it seemed there was a lot of, too, there was a lot of COINTELPRO stuff going on there, too. A lot of uh, uh, double agents and people with disinformation, all kind of shenanigans. A lot of bizarre kind of conversation go on. like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And now, like we said before, it's just crazy now. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I started... Um, simulcasting the show. I started trying to get it on as much other platforms as I could because I knew that my run there would be short. I knew it wouldn't last a year. Uh, so I got on uh, Spreaker first, Spreaker.com, and then different internet stations. And then iHeartRadio was the big break. When I got on iHeart and iTunes, that's when things really just blew up and took off right away. I had like 20,000 followers on, on Spreaker like in the first year. Mm-hmm. So that's when things really blew up. And then I started uh, checking out the AMFM stations. And uh, that's where the, the majority of the audience is now. There's uh, people driving in their cars uh, that aren't searching out these topics. You know, they're not Googling, you know, these phrases and finding something on the internet. They're just driving along and they hear what I'm talking about or the guest. And uh, they say, wow, this is great. This is, you know, and they get hooked right away and they join the Patreon and they sign up to Spreaker. No, it's great because I think uh, there is, it's, 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 I mean, there's, there's, there's other guys out there doing similar stuff, but I, rem- I specifically remember people saying to you live on the air, it's like, nobody else is doing anything like this, a PI with a radio show, like, it was a big yeah. deal, like, it still is a big deal. Well, well also, too, you got to remember, back, back you know, 13, uh, seven years ago, um, no one was doing uh, the combination of conspiracy theory and true crime. That was brand new. No one was, no one even thought of doing that. Like when I started doing true crime shows on top of my conspiracy shows, people were like, whoa, what is this? Mm. And, and no one was talking. I did the first radio show about Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. No one had talked about Epstein before I did on the radio. And uh, when I did, um, uh, I couldn't even find a guest who, who knew anything about it. And I was lucky to find Robert Morrow, uh, who was a, a ghostwriter for Roger Stone. And uh, wrote a book about the Clintons. And so he was familiar with it. I brought him on and he talked about it. Uh, but even then, I did the second hour all by myself, just talking about what I knew about Epstein at the time. No one knew the name Jeffrey Epstein back in those days. Yeah. And there's some other stuff, kind of current stuff now at the moment as well. Um, that's been in the news a bit. Uh, about with the laptop and Hunter Biden. What's there's any developments on that at all or is it's kind of up in the air a little bit still i think is it it's a long story the whole hunter biden laptop story is a long long story i've told it a couple of times and i think it's the greatest story out there 
Yeah, um, if, anyone, if anybody <laughs> wants to check it out, Ed's got loads of archives over on Spreaker or again, his Patreon is like a great place to go and, and check out his stuff. Mountains yeah, of stuff, I, guys. Yeah, I know. I got a ton of stuff on Patreon. I need a ton of stuff for free on Patreon too. A lot of stuff, uh, FBI documents, all kind of stuff. Um, the stuff about the McMartin preschool uh, documents, I have all that on there. Uh, but with Hunter Biden's laptop, I had a little bit of involvement in that. Uh, it's a long story, uh, but uh, I was involved in some litigation against Dr. Keith Ablo, who was a Fox News contributor. And uh, he was abusive to my client, and we had a lawsuit against him. And uh, the lawsuit kind of fell apart because we had some problems, but uh, I managed to get his license revoked. Uh, he was a licensed psychologist, psychiatrist, uh, who had, had the ability to, to write prescriptions. And he was very abusive to some of his patients. And it was, uh, it was declared that he was an immediate risk to the public. So they pulled his license. Now, a lot of people don't know, but Hunter Biden went to live with this guy, lived with him for three months. And this is all exclusive to my show. This, you know, came out on my show exclusively. But uh, Hunter Biden went to live with him for three months and left behind, whatever reason he left. And uh, uh, Ablo retained his laptop, uh, some diaries, some uh, cell phones and some uh, uh, notebooks and things like that. So what happened was, there's this fellow named uh, Bradley Birkenfeld, and you could find an interview with Bradley Birkenfeld where he talks about this with me exclusively. And Bradley Birkenfeld was having a book signing party. He had written a book about, he was a, 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 a Swiss bank account whistleblower, and he wrote a book called Lucifer's Banker. So I had heard the story about how uh, Birkenfeld and Bo Deedle, who was a private investigator from New York City, uh, was a very heavily politically connected with the Republican Party, uh, Bo Deedle in New York City. I've known him since I was like 19, 20 years old. Um, he and uh, Bo Deedle and Birkenfeld went to Dr. Keith Ablo's home because uh, they heard that he had Hunter Biden's laptop. So I started looking into this and I invite Birkenfeld on my show. I says, hey, Mr. Birkenfeld, I want to talk to you about your great book about Lucifer's Banker. <laughs> right? <laughs> but when I get him on, and I right away, I says, hey, man, tell me about this laptop. I hear you were involved in this laptop. So he just starts spilling the beans, man. And I'm sitting here like with a big smile on my face. And he tells me exclusively, he didn't even talk about the support anybody in the world. He says, yeah, we had a book signing party. And uh, Rudy Giuliani was there, and Bernie Carrick was there, and John Kirikawa, the CIA whistleblower, he was there, and Bo Deedle was there, and uh, Dr. Keith Ablo's brother was there. And he tells us, these are all heavy drinkers, all these guys, too, by the way. I used to drink with Bo Deedle every night down at the in Manhattan. Uh, but what do you call it? So he says, yeah, uh, Keith Ablo's brother was there and they want to, to sell, they want to monetize Hunter Biden's laptop. They want $2 million for it. And I says, really? So then just stop and think. Now, Keith Ablo put the figure $2 million on his laptop. So we know there's gold on the laptop. Mm -hmm. We know there's a lot more gold on that laptop than we've seen. Okay. So what happens is, the story was really hot in the meeting and then it just kind of fell away, it seems. Oh, it was being uh, uh, suppressed. It, it yeah. still is suppressed. Yeah. It just came out the other day that uh, Biden, uh, Hunter Biden uh, was uh, asking the Libyan government for $2 million to help release their uh, frozen assets. You know, have, you, have you heard about that before? That's in the news, and, and, and no one's talking about it. But the, but the bottom line with the chain of custody on this laptop, see, what happened was, too, is these guys had, you know the whole story about how that guy, um, 
the computer repairman in Delaware somehow got a hold of this laptop. Yeah, that's what we heard anyway, I think. Right, right. He claims that Hunter Biden dropped it over there by mistake and forgot about it. So there was a a news conference. A bunch of reporters got into his uh, um, computer store there and they drilled him with questions. And he's stuttering and he can't, you know, he's all, all over the place. No comment. He can't, you know, whenever it comes to the chain of custody, his laptop, it's no comment. So one of the guys that was there sent it to me. He sent me a raw recording of this, unedited. And he goes, hey, Ed, man, he says, I can't publish this, but you can. Just don't tell him where you got it. <laughs> so, so I put it up in my Patreon, unedited, raw. You got to hear this thing. They're yelling at this guy. Four, four wow, people I didn't in know that was up there, actually. Um, it's up there for free. Oh, okay. Patreon. Yeah. Wow. As well, as well as my interview, too, with my client who was uh, abused by Dr. Keith Abel. But anyway, so I, I heard that thing, and I knew something fishy was going on. I get Birkenfeld on the show, and he tells me about this whole story about how Abel wants to monetize the Apple. He wants the uh, $2 million for this laptop. So what turns out is good old Bo goes down there with uh, Birkenfeld to Keith Abel's house, and they negotiate for this laptop. Negotiations fall through. The next day, there's a knock on the door. Mr. Ab, Dr. Abloh, open up. <laughs> and they seize the laptop. The DEA raids Dr. Abloh's home, his office, a, a local uh, pharmacy too as well. And they seize the laptop. And then, uh, what's his name? Bo Deedle. Now, I mean, uh, uh, Hunter Biden was able to get the laptop back through his attorneys. But according to Mr. Birkenfeld, it would be so easy to copy everything on that laptop and put it on another laptop <laughs> and then have yeah. that laptop wind up in, the, in some uh, computer repair store. It would be so easy for that to happen. So I said to him, I says, well, you know, it, wouldn't it be easier for someone like Giuliani to get to the DA to go down there and raid? He goes, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it couldn't be him. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be him. But obviously that's what happened, man. Uh, Bo and Giuliani and Kerrick and those guys got a friendly judge. Well, Giuliani's Just, all over the news recently, wasn't he as well? Well, yeah, a good old... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's always up to something, good old Rudy, uh, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I had, um, well, back in the, the early days when I was like 19, 20 years old and I was working for that PI back in, the, in New York, um, we worked all those big organized crime cases that Rudy was prosecuting. And uh, a lot of people don't know that the, the, his assistant DA was Michael Chertoff, the head of Homeland Security, uh, years later. And so Rudy knew me back in those guys. I ran into him years later when he was running for mayor and he remembered me from those cases. So uh, I'm sure he would remember me to this day. I'd say at this point he probably, <laughs> probably does, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there was another incident. I could tell you guys a quick story, too. Please. Um, uh, on the night of the, it was a, um, I think it was October 19th, uh, the day of the debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump that was on the Intrepid Museum. The Intrepid Museum is owned by a guy named Fisher who runs the Fisher House Foundation which is an organization that gives money to soldiers and 9-11 victims, a real estate millionaire and a billionaire probably in New York City. As a matter of fact, he owns uh, the, uh, the, one of the shuttles. He bought one of the shuttles too and, and, and had it uh, towed down uh, uh, New York Harbor to make like a museum out of that. My friends ran the whole operation to my friends from NYP and Harbor Aviation ran the uh, the towing of that boat. Uh, but at that Intrepid Museum debate day, uh, that w- this was the day when uh, Trump brought in all the press into this room and they panned around the room. And who's sitting there? Paula Jones, Kathleen Willey, uh, Juanita Broderick, 
and all these women who had been raped by Bill Clinton. Now, I've known all those women. I've had them all on the show. I've known yeah. uh, Paula Jones since before I had a radio show because we had the same agent for a while. Right. So I, everyone in that room knew me, including Keith Schiller, including Rudy Giuliani. So somehow, some way, I get a phone call <laughs> that day uh, from someone who had just gotten off the phone with Roger Stone. And I says, hey, Ed, we need your help. We want you to get us contact information for Kathy O'Brien. Remember Kathy O'Brien? Yeah. Right. The transformation uh, in America, that whole conspiracy theory with Kathy O'Brien. Mm. And they want her phone number because they want to bring her down there to that room, too, and put her on TV. Kathy O'Brien, they want to put on there. So I says, okay, man. I says, uh, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> I says, I'll give you Kathy O'Brien's contact information. I says, but listen, I'll give you guys all the shows I've done about the Clintons. I'll give you all my stuff. I'll send it to you right now. So, by the way, the guy uh, rambles out to me, too. He says, because um, this is right after the Access Hollywood tape came out. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can you believe this Access Hollywood thing? He says, we think it's Kellyanne Conway who released that tape because she's effing CIA. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's going on at, at the Trump <laughs> camp debate. You know, an hour why why Trump am I not that. surprised, though? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> chaos. Chaos going on over there. So that, was, so that was kind of like the Trump campaign contacted me for uh, uh, information about C Kathy O'Brien on the day of the debate. And uh, so then I sent over all my opposition research to uh, about the Clintons. And I'm sitting there about two weeks later, and I, I'm watching a Trump speech, and he goes right down the line. He's talking about every title <laughs> of my show about the Clintons, the Clintons in Haiti, the Clintons over here, Clinton over there. All my stuff, uh, talk about, which I'm sure that uh, Giuliani would have recognized my name if, if that got on his desk. Um, he would have recognized my name for sure. Oh, yeah, sure. He's probably a, he's probably a listener anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, from from what I hear nowadays, good old Rudy is, uh, you know, more interested <laughs> at, at the bottom of his glass uh, than anything else these days. But, uh, yeah, like a lot right. of them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, Ed, we're going to wrap it up fairly shortly. But is there anything else you want to you get into or mention or anything like that? The only thing I will tell you, uh, besides the Hunter Biden laptop, which is a, a percolating story, is the whole thing with Matt Gates, who's a Florida frat boy, House of Representatives, uh, who's on Trump's shortlist of, uh, and with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, one of these uh, extreme uh, Twitter guys out there. And uh, behind the scenes, he's under investigation for uh, trafficking in young women and providing illegal driver's licenses to young girls so that they could buy alcohol. All that's out in the news and public, but uh, behind the scenes, there is a major, major story about to break on him, uh, just as big as Epstein, and uh, with the all kinds of stuff, man, that I can't talk about yet. It's not my story, it's a thing, all but right. the guy's working on his story. It's going to come out in Mother Jones first, and the guy's working on his story. I've done excellent work. They tried to hire me to help him out with some stuff. I just I dropped the ball. I didn't have time. I was moving. I was dropping my kid off at college. Uh, so I dropped the ball on that, but uh, still I'm aware of everything going on, and I'm going to get the first exclusive radio interview after it hits the, the press, but keep your eye on that. Matt wow. Gates. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll definitely you. be keeping an eye out for that. Yeah, thank you. Okay, well, Ed, I, I, I hate it. We're, we're just, hit, oh, we're on, we hit the, we hit the mark to f f 54, well, we're 56 now, but we've just about hit the 54.50 there. <laughs> 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 Well, listen, Ed, I'm, it was an absolute honour and a pleasure to have you on here today. And you're very welcome to come back anytime. I find your work 
hugely, hugely inspiring. And your life as well, I think, is is um, also very interesting. And we can all kind of learn a lot from um, what you've done with it. And I'd like, yeah, again, like I said, thanks. Well, Shane, it's been very nice to meet you. I mean, uh, Chris, it's been very nice to meet you, Chris. Yeah, it's been a and, pleasure. And it really has been, man. Thank you very much. Uh, and Shane, God bless you, man. Uh, I can't thank you enough for all you've done for me uh, over the years. And it's been an honor to, to meet you and, and be on your show here. And dude, anytime you want me to come back, I'll come back. Thanks, Ed. You're very welcome anytime. And yeah. I'll, I'll be in touch. And again, yeah, if you need anything, just give us a shout, okay? Yeah, you we'll talk it, to you again thank then. You. Anyway. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, Ed. Keep well. I hope you, get, I hope you feel better soon, too. Hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, God bless. Well, Chris, there you go. Hmm? Here's Ed. Great yeah, Ed boy. seems pretty great, all right. Yeah, and we're yeah. a flash page. Hey, Ed, can you go on mute? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, oh, sorry. Thanks. So, um, like I said, everything's in the, um, all the, oh, is that reversed up there on the screen for people? It is. How do I fix that? Yeah, hit the flip switch. Did that happen? Well, um, oh no, it's not. It's not. It's only reversed in the in the thing. But um, yeah, like we said, Patreon, um, Opperman, Patreon dot com forward slash Opperman Report. And again, anybody into true crime and you haven't heard of this yet, you got to go and check it out big time. Like I've been listening, and I'm not into true crime, and it's pretty good. Very, like, very inspiring. I, no. It is a bit heavy. Some of it's heavy. It's he- the subject matter is heavy. It, it, do, it does go. But it's real life. Sometimes. It's real yeah. life, though. Is the point, you know? Mm. So, from that respect, but it is. It is really engaging, and you will kind of lose time to it because you forget how long you're listening. Like, yeah, no, it's know? great. It's great, and yeah, and we were chatting there a bit. I've helped that out a bit over the years, and um, time very well spent. I was. Um, very happy to have put my time into it because, mm. like we were saying, he's helped so many people. He really has, and he's still out there doing it, and we wish him the very best of luck. And we're here to support him if he needs anything. Yeah, again, there's the Patreon, guys. He's got three things you can check out. His Patreon, his Spreaker.com, and OppermanReport.com if you want to learn more about him. Spreaker is full of lots and lots of free shows you can check out, and Patreon also has free shows and some exclusive stuff. Um, you heard him mention just some of the things, like, seriously hope high profile stuff so if you have any interest in that i highly yeah. highly highly recommend you go and check it out and i don't mean to be patronizing but you should you know patron someone anyway <laughs> yeah it's good to support people isn't it chris oh That's yeah what we like to do here is to kind of support people and as, as you said chris during the show it is really about trying to help each other help us off there it is on yeah. the screen there freeze so i shall just we're about to hit the, the bumper as usual, Shane, live on air. We'll do it live. We'll do it live, Chris. <laughs> okay, guys, keep well. We'll be back with lots of interesting stuff. That was a bit of culture for you today. We've got music coming up. We've got art coming up. We've got wellness coming up. Stay tuned. We'll be back soon. Longer for the character. Long live. <laughs>